Hello everyone, and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 220. My name is NBZ, and uh, it's, it's, it's been a while, but um, someone's decided to show up on time for, uh, for a show. <laughs> finally, to kick some tail is what they say. Um, <laughs> I am finally rejoined by Bali on a regular oh. episode. Bali, welcome back to the show. How are oh, you doing, man? Feels good. It's nice to know that, you know, if I, I dropped off the face of the earth tomorrow, that the podcast would just keep going without <laughs> a care in the world. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Definitely have uh, no issues with me just uh, trying to find people every week. Uh, that's that's not a problem at all. But, um, uh, no, yeah, huge all shout out to Devin, Justin and Matt for stepping in. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Massive kudos to you mbz for setting all those people up and no problem keeping the show on the road while yeah. i've been busy and being a dad oh uh, goodness yeah it's, yeah um, it's tiring it's tough how, how's it how's it going bally obviously you are now the father of uh let's call him bj bally jr you know <laughs> uh, uh he's he's kicking around uh, i've seen pictures of him in cardboard boxes uh you've been carrying him around places uh it's been a fun time i'm sure but also very tiring uh, and exhausting yes. so how, how you been doing well last night i had my first ever so like he will he'll throw up a little bit here and there where you know it's like oh that's not gone down right or that burp didn't come and you get a bit of spit up a bit of milk a bit of formula whatever mm-hmm. and then you're like right didn't catch that one and then last night i had changed them on our changing mat and i was kind of like holding him in a bit of a horizontal angle and sort of swung him over to caroline to say hi and then i came back sat down on the couch and i propped him up facing me and he just emptied his entire gut onto my chest. <laughs> like, I, it was absolutely loads. Oh, it was like, no. it was, and it came in two separate waves. But <laughs> my God, I'll send you a picture after this. But it was an oh yes, no, definitely want to see a picture was, of that. It was uh, a crazy amount of oh, spit up. So mm-hmm. um, I just got completely drenched, and I was like, Great. Caroline, and can you grab him? And I'll, and then I just. Got all my stuff washed. Oh, God. Had yeah. a shower, you know. Yeah. Uh, all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, it's cool. It's a tiring experience. It, it's, yeah. it's about as tough as all everyone says it's going to be. And even though you, you're mentally ready for what everyone says about the process, like coming back from the hospital and realizing that, right, everything's changed now and we uh-huh. need we need a new system we need this that and the other um you literally are in charge of another human's life because they can't do anything for themselves exactly (laughs) exactly and like me and caroline are very we're quite organized people and very systems driven like Mm -hmm. we plan out our days pretty meticulously between seeing people going on runs watching shows getting takeaways doing whatever like we all time everything to the hour almost on most days and Mm. so we spent a lot of time getting our flat ready for him, as in like creating spaces. His stuff's going to go here. We're going to do this here. This and I am so glad we did all that like prep because once you're in it, like it's so difficult to change the system once you're in it. It's it's easier to ru- get the system running than it is to introduce something to the system, as it were. And I think that's one of the toughest things. It's like oh right well instead of doing this with him at this time we're going to try this thing and you realize 
but he still needs like his milk, his formula. He still needs change at this time. He still needs to go to sleep and he still needs, so it's like trying to introduce things. So one thing we're good at is actually getting out on a walk like every day. And it sounds like, wow, just getting out on a walk like that. That sounds easy, but it's like, it's actually really hard. It's impossible, right? Get out on a walk. And it's something we've been really lucky with the weather since he's been born and just been out almost every single day, which has been great. Awesome. It's just exhausting yeah uh I'm, I'm sure it is but uh you know as you have mentioned obviously you were back on the patreon show the last one uh it's given you uh some ample time for video gaming out there yeah um which uh i'm sure we will get to and, and chat about um but a uh, a couple of things before we dive into the rest of the show uh i wanted to shout out reviews on spotify which is something we've mentioned before um and i think i've mentioned that you can only do it on mobile i also should mention that i think you can only review on spotify if you have listened to the show so even if you don't listen on spotify if you're someone out there uh, and you are you know listening on your regular podcasting app um, it would be cool if you're able to go to spotify just hit play on one of the episodes and then it should let you review it um, because i think that at the moment is like a good avenue for people to find the show obviously apple podcast reviews still help that's always useful but it seems like spotify is growing as a podcasting platform um, and so if you do listen on spotify you just need to go to the mobile version of the app and obviously if you're a listener on there it should let you just put in a rating um, but if not uh, it'd be really appreciated if people head on over there and do that and uh, give us a little bit of a bump we've got i think 27 uh five star ratings on there so far which is fantastic uh, and it's good to see that there's obviously a lot of people listening over there already um but that'd be great to kind of build up because i think that's probably a nice avenue for us to find uh, some new listeners and a new audience so give that a shout out at the top of the show and we'll probably mention it again at the end uh, but yeah that would be fantastic from people but um bali do you want to let the fine folks at home know what we have lined up for the rest of the mm-hmm. show today for the first segment, we're going to talk about the games that we have been playing. The second segment, we've got some emails. And for the third segment, we've got a little bit of a news roundup. There's a few things yeah. floating around we wanted to check Nintendo with the classic undelay of a video game, <laughs> which uh, is going to be interesting to chat through. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to all that. Have a valley. What I want to hear, first of all, is gaming with a baby. Uh, right. how, how has that process been? Because uh, I'm sure, obviously, you've been playing a lot of video games. You know, you're talking about how much Horizon you're playing. But also, uh, some fun little N64 games popped out. Mm. And uh, I think probably the first game that you tried playing um, with your wee lad on your chest was uh, was one of those, right? Right. Uh, I was playing a bit of Horizon. But yeah, F-Zero X was out in and around when he was born. So yeah, yeah I- I've been playing F-Zero X. I've been playing Mario Golf. Gaming with a baby. So I have a lot of time. I see Caroline a lot less, if that makes sense, because we're doing we do a lot of shifts overnight. And what I mean by that is I'll go to bed really late and then she'll get up early and then we'll cross over a bit in the middle while Bally Jr.'s asleep. So he sleeps for like if he has a full feed, he'll sleep for roughly like two and a half to three and a half hours. So you know that. Once he has a full feed and goes down, you've got like this two and a half to three hour, three and a half hour slot. And I will be with him in the living room while Caroline's sleeping. Because for those who don't know, like trying to sleep with a baby in the room, if they, they can stir quite a lot in their sleep. And that can be very, like, it can really get your anxiety going and make right. you want to like wake up and see if they need anything. And it's not, it's not easy to sleep deeply in that sense with a baby in the room. So that's why we do shifts where caroline will get a good three and a half four five hours sleep before i get to bed and vice versa we'll cross over and then i'll get like the four five and a half six hours sleep in the morning so 
I've got a lot of time in the living room with him while he's asleep, basically. So I'm 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 there on call, ready for him if he wakes up and needs something. Uh, but he's away from Caroline, basically. So I, I have these like four hours. So during the week, I'll be responsible for him from like nine thirty p.m. until one thirty, and in that time. Uh, I'll spend a lot of time obviously getting him to sleep but once he's asleep I've often got about an hour to two hours of like video games a day which is more or less what I was playing before now the difference is that before as I would get to like the end of a game I'd often play three or four hours in a single day because I'd just be like right weekends come or it might be really rainy weekend and and I'm inside and I'm near the end of this game that I want to see the story finish and then I'll be like right I'll play three to four hours and I can get to the end of the game and and really enjoy it this kind of thing and that's definitely something I can't really do anymore yeah yeah. but um, I can definitely check in on games like an hour to two hours so initially I didn't really want to play Horizon because it's quite story driven and it's a lot to get your head around when you're brain has been completely frazzled by right. um a newborn baby so the n64 games were actually a really nice respite where f-zero x and mario golf are both the types of games that the old bally used to love because there were they're not really beatable in the traditional sense like right you just kind of pop into them and have a you know quick round or whatever and then exactly you, you know, go away up, up until the age of about 13 these were basically the only types of games i would play it was games you could just drop in and drop out of constantly and yeah those actually work really well when you've got a baby who might wake up at an unknown time and then you've got to deal with them so you can just press the home button and pause it very easily and whether you're in the middle middle of a race in f0x or a round in mario golf it's just it's a really easy game to pause whereas it always feels a bit different when you're pausing like a very story driven mission in save mm-hmm. horizon it's a little bit different um i've gotten better at it now but yeah it's 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 hard to you just have to be prepared that regardless of whether you're in the mood for games or not at that moment that's your window within 24 hours. That's the only time you that's got, the only time. So you've got to use it. You've got to use it. If you don't want to use it, you lose it. So yeah. that's my attitude. And it kind of feels good in that way where sometimes there is a mental hump with starting to play a video game session. Yes. You're like, I'm, totally. I don't know if I'm in the mood. But then once you're in it, you're like, why, did, why was this a hump to get to this point? Uh, yeah, this is, I'm having a great time. Um, so it helps you get over that hump, which is often quite nice, actually. Um and yeah, the, the the N64 games, for them to have F-Zero X, Mario Golf, like back-to-back, like two games I'm very interested in. They're um, like laser targeting awesome. you, basically. Really cool, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, the thing is, series like F-Zero X and Wave Race, they're both series I, I actually got into on the GameCube, where it was the GameCube versions I played first. Yeah. And since then, we played uh, Wave Race 64 with Backlog Club a while back. Mm-hmm. And then F-Zero X, I've never actually played before. So it's been so interesting to play that yeah. game. F-Zero X is really interesting for me because it's always the game that I use to test emulation stuff on my PC. Mm. Um, so whenever like I'm getting a new emulator download or whatever in the past, it's always the one you test on N64 because it's the one N64 game that ran at 60 frames a second, right? Like it is so, it's surprisingly smooth um, given what you expect from, you know, like Ocarina of Time or Mario 64, stuff that we've played, uh, you know, quite a bit of over the years. Um, you know, there's a certain expectation that N64 
console games have horrible frame rates because it was the first era of 3D, and therefore they had a very hard time keeping things up with all the polygons and everything. Um, and because F-Zero is built around speed and built around just being a smooth experience, they almost strip everything else away. And I, I think the mm. game looks a little bare as a result of that. It's, but it's, what it means yeah. is that it is so smooth as a, as a gameplay experience. Yeah, it's it's really interesting and kind of on Nintendo in some ways where yeah it, they have they've decided right what is what is the core to F0 that we want to do on N64 and that is the key is they want speed they want it to be smooth like a good frame rate and on top of that they want a large number of racers and yes. the game clearly prioritizes those things above all else because as you mm-hmm. say like you are racing around barren wastelands like almost <laughs> they're just like tubes basically just aren't they? tubes and like you can barely see the difference and that's actually a massive um step up with gx is like all of a sudden you're in these cities and worlds and right you can see all this extra stuff with the extra power of the gamecube obviously but ultimately the game is so fast that all that stuff is kind of window dressing to some degree anyway so the fact that f X just focuses on the racing i think is so cool and it's actually also really interesting how sprite-based this game is. Like, mm. there, so on all the celebration like uh, podiums and things, there's no polygonal characters. They're all just like sprites that They're just cutouts. Just cutouts. Cut outs. Um, and I also believe the cars turn into sprites once they get a certain distance away from you. Like, oh, it's okay. This, it's like a. Well, they at least turn into very basic polygons. They might not necessarily be sprites. Um, but there's there's real tricks of the trade going on when it comes to like giving you an, a, a fast experience to make this game feel smooth and good and i think this was the first game that had this crazy number of racers um what is it that's like 32 maybe or was it 16 on the super nintendo i can't remember the number right and and either way it feels like a lot more racers because they're all like i feel like on the snes and the gba versions actually i guess it's to do the rendering of those systems but like yes there might be 32 racers but you're only ever really racing one or two cars at the same time like another Mm. the next car will just appear behind you and then overtake you you won't see whereas in this game you can just be in a mash of like 12, 15, 20 cars all together. And that's like something I loved about GX was it's just like, this is insane. Like it's what's chaos. going on right now. Yeah, it's just so chaotic. And there's actually a real, one cool system about F0X and GX is that it'll point out your rival and knowing who your rival is, is useful. Because the rival is always the, say... Say you're first in the GP, the rival will always be the person who is in second. So the game is telling you, if you want to win this GP, it's it's crucial that you beat your rival at the very least. Whether you come third or, or tenth, as long as you're beating your rival, you will gain places in the Grand Prix, basically. And the cool thing about F0X and GX is that you have these moves that can take out cars. Mm. Um, so you can target your rival, take them out of the race... And if you successfully manage to take them out of the race and then get a decent finish, you're you're getting such a gain in points versus them that you are really on course to like really doing very well in the GP. It's something I've not mastered yet, but it's something that I kind of want to work towards. We have like a spin attack that you can do at at um, other cars, and it's just kind right, of okay. It, it's a really hard game. I think GX is maybe harder, but like a lot of GXs difficulty actually comes in that story mode and obviously this game doesn't have a story mode but i'm still having an absolute blast just 
working out which cars I like and, and experimenting with the grip and it still has a slider where you can pick between high acceleration or high top speed and like knowing which track is coming up, learning the tracks and just understand like there's a real minutia to understanding how to do well in this game and it's really mm. challenging like i think it, it is really hard to master and i was definitely finding myself very frustrated initially but i've really persevered and you know i've just been checking a little bit here and there but like yeah it's it's, it's hard but I'm, I'm really really enjoying it i think it's a it's a very impressive game that's awesome yeah i i definitely want to check in with this and, and give it a go just to see how it runs and, and how it looks on on switch have you been playing handheld at all or is this mainly on tv you've been playing through I'm basically all TV um, okay. while I'm in the living room. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's just easier. And I just have a weird subconscious thing as well. Where I'm like, I don't want to wear out my Joy-Cons. I just want to. Yeah, wanna... no, that's <laughs> it's true. It's a really I silly thing where it's like, oh, I've been tempted to buy what's the thing that MinMax promote constantly. Oh, um, yeah. The, um... uh, I want to, I might buy one of those because I think yeah. if I go traveling somewhere i might want to play it like that because i do find the pro controller very comfortable it's the fixture i believe it's called fixture x s1 or something where you basically attach it to your pro controller it's like basically a a kind of little mini screen thing that you can slide the switch into and then it attaches the pro controller becomes your controller basically it it might not be the easiest to set up say on a plane or anything but once you're set up i think it would be really comfortable so i might yeah. and obviously doesn't wear out your joy cons but um For yeah sure. I, I think f-zero is awesome uh mario golf mm-hmm. it is so refreshing to play a good mario golf game like, it's so <laughs> after last year your disappointment with super rush it's um... so nice it's so nice this is just a very simulator focused golf game with mario characters and that's kind yeah. of what i want where like the games of golf and tennis are fun enough in the, on their own merit, in my opinion, that if you just skin those with Mario characters, that's a fun game in and of itself. That's kind of like my attitude yeah. to the Mario sports games. And sure, you can add bananas and you can add running and you can add all these things. And But ultimately, I, I think not only does it strip all that down to the bare mechanics, but I also think the bare mechanics are just more fun with this game it's a lot harder like i think the meters demand a lot more of you and you mean in terms of like precision precision and and i think the courses are designed in actually a really clever way where if you're off by like just an inch there's a good chance you'll be in the rough and then if you're in the rough Mm. there's a very good chance you won't make the green and if you don't make the green there's a very good chance you'll be in the bunker if you're in the bunker those bunker shots are really tough because like i think this game just really there's a lot more height differential. So if the pin is higher than you are from the bunker, you really have to overshoot a lot more than you think. And I've I've been having a real issue with chipping in the game, actually. I think some of the yardage... um, I sometimes can't work out whether it's yardage to the pin or yardage to the green. Okay. I constantly flip back and forth between the two, not being able to work it out, which is a little frustrating. I mean, I want to maybe look up a few tips, but other than that like i just think it's such a good solid golf game and looks like it looks ugly as hell but it's just <laughs> there's I've, I've got the nostalgia for it like n64 when when people say like, oh what's the console you associate like the most with your childhood and starting gaming like in a in a home console space for me it's easily the n64 and like mario yeah. golf unlike f-zero and wave race 
N64 and Game Boy Color was the the point at which I got into that series. So like it, it was the game that kind of got me into Mario Golf in a way. And yeah, it's it's got some really good like it's fun because like the, in the tournament, um, it's got the names of like loads of Zelda like gods and bosses and things. Oh like, really? Uh, That's Darunga, fun. Darunga, okay. Darunga? I can't remember. Yeah. Name, but yeah, and just silly things like that, little Nintendo nods here and there um, that I think are really nice. And this game has like match play in order to unlock characters and for those who don't know what match play is so stroke play means if you are over par um then that continues to the next hole like if you if you get a plus three on the first hole you move on to the next hole you're still on plus three you get another plus three you move on to plus six and you just do worse and worse and worse it compounds that's like stroke play that's like what the golf tournaments are in match play is like the Ryder cup it's like I am facing you at this course. I get one point for beating you at this hole. And then it's about who can... You basically have to be enough points ahead with the, enough holes remaining to beat them. Um, Got you, okay. And, but it means, that, it means that you can really go for the pin a lot more. Because if you if you go over par, you lose a point. That's, a, that, that's it. You can hit it straight into the water and you will lose a point. That's it. You will never lose more than a point. It's not as damaging, basically. It's not as damaging. Overall. So... Yeah. I love the combination of playing stroke play and match play. It's a very simple thing. It's a very golf nerdy thing, but I, uh-huh. I just absolutely love it. And this game is just really appropriate for like giving you that option. And that's how you unlock characters in this game, which I think is really cool. Um, so you actually take them on at match play. Do you remember like getting all those characters when you were younger? Because what you're saying here of how challenging it was, were you just like much like really good at Mario Golf back then? Or how did that work out? I don't know. I am so baffled. I think I was a Mario Golf god or something back then. <laughs> this game is hard. And I remember having a very full character screen. Um, wow, okay. So... I definitely got further than I currently am. So I'm on like the third course. I definitely remember getting to the fourth, fifth or sixth course when I was younger. Um, and I think, to be fair, you you gain experience points to unlock these courses. And I think you gain experience points by doing everything, whether you win or lose. You get, you get mm. some experience for losing, you get more for winning. But to unlock these characters, you do have to beat them unless you put in the cheat code. Did I? Would I? Am I the sort of person who would have put in a cheat code? No. So no, yeah. I think I did actually unlock a good number of them. Um, but having said that, I remember having like Mario and Metal Mario, which I think are some of the last characters you un- you unlock. So yeah. maybe I did put in a code. I'm I really can't remember um, because this game is damn damn hard. Um, so I'm really impressed with myself if if I managed to um, to do that. But. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, people always say that they were better uh, better at games as kids, and I think our general wisdom is that we were shit at, at games when we were younger. Oh, yeah. But maybe yeah. this is the uh, the the one that kind of stands out is Mario Golf. Somehow, Bally was just stupidly good uh, as, as a child, being able to get through those courses. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Like Mario Golf and FCRX are just sitting there on my Switch, playing a little bit here and there. Uh, I think I'm just going to keep going with these for most of the year, just chipping in, chipping away at them because they're, they are so much fun to play and yeah, yeah I'm I'm getting my value for that expansion pack for sure, um, just with these two games alone. Um, it's awesome. I'm I'm really impressed. I think both Mario Golf and FCRX hold up and are definitely worth checking out if you've never played either of those games in the series. For sure, yeah, uh, and and came at a, a cool time, like a, a time when you you know, 
thinking about you know what games is is uh, Bally Junior going to play in the future, and Bally you know just subtly uh, massaging <laughs> yeah, that by exactly. playing F Zero and the Mario going Golf. And exactly, yeah. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's keen on that. You, you yeah, exactly. It. You just have to you know d- you know do it in a subtle way. Just don't uh, push him towards it, but just keep playing F Zero when he grows up. <laughs> and you know, who knows? Maybe he'll yeah. become you know a, a champion F Zero if Nintendo ever make another one. Um, if ever. Yeah, if ever. Um, awesome. That's great to hear. Uh, we'll talk about some other stuff you've been playing in a bit, but I wanted to jump in with a video game that's also old, um, but they've got a remaster on Switch, and one that I've been curious about for quite a long time. Bit of an odd duck of a game, um, given its predecessor. But uh, Chrono Cross, the Radical Dreamers edition, released on Switch recently. Um, and there's been a bunch of chatter about it, and... Um, I think it's one of those that I was interested in playing, but I didn't know when I was going to play it. Was this PlayStation originally? It was the PS1, yeah. So that's originally what it came out on. uh, And it hasn't been re-released since then. And the cool thing, yeah, and the cool thing about this edition is that it comes with the extra game. The reason it's called the Radical Dreamers edition is because it comes with Radical Dreamers, which was a Satellaview game. The Satellaview being a add-on to the Super Nintendo that let you play online games quote unquote and it was japan only right so you could only play this in japan um and it, there was stuff like link to the past where they they broadcast like certain game sessions of link to the past that were like very specific and not in the actual game and it was a totally weird thing and i hope someday they release more satellite stuff because it's fascinating this idea of like the mid 90s in japan doing like internet gaming in this wild mm. thing um but that's what radical dreamers was and now they have translated it into english and it's a part of this package so it's the bonus game that you get alongside chrono cross which is very very cool um I think the nice thing about this uh, as a re-release is that it was relatively cheap as well. It was only like 15 quid um, and uh, MinMax are doing their deepest dive on it which is their whole feature where they basically break down a game into multiple parts and then like do a really long discussion on it. I think they've done two parts up to this point which I've, I'm basically at that point at the moment which is about halfway through the game and I think each episode has been three hours so far. So it's, it's a very much kind of digging in um, to all the details and chatting about it. Um, and I have to say that Chrono Cross going in, I was like, okay, I, I know that this game has its detractors just because it wasn't... Like, it's a sequel to Chrono Trigger in the same way that, I don't know, um, it, it doesn't feel like a direct sequel, right? Like Xenoblade it, X to Xenoblade 1. That's a great example, yes. A really good example of, like, it is a similar thing but it's different enough where you can't really recognize it as the same thing and it's going in a different direction with similar ideas but like is is kind of standing apart on its own um and has like references to the previous game and and all those sorts of things um but because chrono trigger is so beloved by most people uh you know unless you're bally in which case you know uh he he thought it was okay (laughs) um uh chrono trigger i think just overshadows chrono cross in a lot of ways um just because of how like industry defining it 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 still is and a lot of people refer to it as and i'm here to say that man more people should be talking about chrono cross because this game fucking rules it's so so good um and i think it has so many smart decisions about like modernizing jrpgs uh, in ways that i wish today uh, rpgs would learn from and they still haven't you know we talk about sometimes like some of the things that you know what chrono trigger did even one of my favorite things about earthbound is the whole idea of if you're powerful enough you just walk into an enemy and they just die you just don't fight that battle mm. like what a great idea like barely any modern rpgs take these uh kind of things that were invented back then they still kind of they kind of cling to a lot of tradition with whether that be systems of like oh you always have to heal after battles and like manage your mana systems and all those sort of things um 
there's there's one of the things that really annoys me in uh rpgs is there's often an uh an option to run away from battles right um and you can click that and then it'll just be a percentage chance of like oh you tried to run but you couldn't right like in final fantasy 6 you like you press the button and they just start running off the screen and you have to wait to see and you still keep getting hit by the enemies and mm. maybe you'll do it maybe you won't who knows but there's no like guarantee there's no safety in it um in chrono cross you press run on any battle it just does it and I'm like, why doesn't every RPG do this? Like, it's such a simple change to make things just easy for people if they are in a bit of a sticky situation and they just need to get away. It just alleviates that pressure and that annoyance of it, of like, oh, I could press run, but like, oh, it's probably going to fail, so I might as well just fight this battle and then, you know, diminish my resource and all that sort of stuff. And then Cross takes it one step further you can run from bosses as well. So, like, if you're in the middle of a boss fight and you realize, oh, my setup's fucked up for this, you don't have to turn off the console and go back. You can literally just run away from the boss, go back and heal yourself, whatever, and change your setup to make it work better. It's just like, man, this is such a simple idea, and yet this game is is really kind of going whole hog on it and, and making those decisions. Um, I guess to, to give a kind of setup for the game and the world and everything, it's set in this... It's a very tropical kind of location. Um, you live on this island, and it's kind of part of an archipelago, so there's a bunch of different islands around the place, and part of the game is being on a boat and kind of rowing through the uh, the ocean and kind of, like, finding the different islands and, and meeting different characters. I think one of the distinguishing things about Chrono Cross is that it has a stupid number of characters, like 40, 50 characters that you can recruit and become playable party members. Um and that's this really interesting thing because it also has like the same way in which chrono trigger is playing with time chrono cross is playing with dimensions right so you have these two dimensions these two alternate realities uh, and i'll just give you this setup this is the first couple of hours so i don't really consider it spoilers but if you want to skip you can skip the next you know minute or two um you your character serge uh he like lives on this small village um and you know he's he's not been anywhere in his life really and somehow he finds his way onto this beach and this beach like basically does this magical thing and teleports him and he he ends up in this other reality and he's going around like he goes back to his village and no one recognizes you and you're like what the hell's going on why is no one what's going at this point i don't think you realize that something has changed and then you start talking to these people you go into your own house and your mom's not there anymore it's some other dude who's living in your house and you're like what the hell's going on and people start talking about like this boy who drowned years ago uh, and you come to the realization that in this reality when you were seven years old you died and you drowned um and so you don't exist in this world anymore basically and so you basically have kind of been transported to this alternate reality and and a lot of the game is kind of going back and forth between those um in order to see different versions of characters one of the first puzzles you get actually is there's a guy in your own reality and this is a bit weird and i don't know why <laughs> this character would do this but everyone's very existential in this game but this character is like hmm i have the shark tooth necklace uh, anyway i'll give this to you if you ever um i don't know see some other version of me or something just uh you can give this to them and, and something will happen i guess um and and you're like okay and this is the very start of the game so you're not really aware of it at this point and then you go up to the other reality and you're like oh now i just give it to this alternate version of this guy um and then that triggers this thing to happen which basically gives you a party member so it's, it's this cool kind of um idea of going back between these two realities and you can even do it with like so there's this uh, love interest at the beginning lena and she 
in the other reality you can recruit her basically and so she comes along in your party and then you go back home and you have her in your party talking to the other one and she's like oh that's weird you kind of look like me um but they have like this kind of dialogue exchange there's a lot of like unique dialogue that pops up depending on like who you have in your party uh, and where you're going and just kind of like taking these characters uh you know to their alternate versions of themselves to have these these interesting exchanges which i think is a uh, a cool thing um and, and i guess one of the other revolutionary things it does is it has branching paths and choices that are not super obvious like they don't they don't do the walking dead thing where it's like do a slow-mo are you gonna save carly or are you gonna save whatever the fuck his name was will i don't glenn i can't remember and walking dead season one um you know it's very obvious it's like mm. this choice will impact what will happen there are choices in this game that can just completely lock you out of different characters um just put you on a totally different path that you didn't realize and it won't be signaled in that way it will just be like a dialogue choice that pops up and it will seem very insignificant um and usually i think a lot of what happens in these games is you know it's it's stuff like in pokemon legends arceus or in genshin impact there are dialogue options but they're completely fucking meaningless they're just like they ask you something and you say something and it's not going to change anything it's just like a little bit of flavor Um, and so i think a lot of people go into games nowadays with that attitude of like oh i can i can say no to this thing but the game's just going to push me in that direction to say yes and Chrono Cross doesn't. Chrono Cross, if you say no, um, so at the very beginning, you meet this character called Kid, and she's kind of like a core part of the story. She's like one of the main characters and, and is very much tied up with Surge. And you meet her at the beginning, you fight these guys, and she's like, hey, what if I come with you? And you would expect the game to be like, okay, you just have to take her with you. And you say no to her, and she's like, no, but I need to come with you. And you say no again. She's like, no, really, I should come with you. And you say no a third time. And when you say no a third time, she's like, okay fuck it i'm gonna leave and she just leaves and she doesn't join your party at that point and what that means is you can then recruit two other characters that you would have missed otherwise so if you just go along with what most people would have done the very you know if they're first getting this game is like yeah i want you in my party you totally miss two characters that you can't get for the rest of the game and you wouldn't have any idea about that otherwise which is a bold choice for sure but it really lets you push against the boundaries of the game and it makes you think were you aware of that going in or did you realize it after did that annoy you if you realized it after did you want those characters or yeah so it, it is one of those things that i had heard a lot about missable characters in chrono cross so i did look up a little bit of that stuff at the beginning which is why when i first got to that scene i was like okay i'm just gonna keep saying no so i went in with the knowledge honestly if i hadn't gone in with the knowledge i don't think i would have and so i would have missed out on those characters which is a little bit of a bummer but um that the game does this thing Thing where you can't get everyone on a first playthrough basically you have to go through new game plus to get the other characters mm. um and you know i, I just kind of made peace with the idea that i'm not gonna get everyone and it's gonna end up you know uh, me not having a full party but that's fine because like you can only have three characters in your party at once and i have been rotating people out because there are a bunch of weirdos oh my god there are so apparently there's like a ton of characters in this game right yeah yeah it's like 40 50 something wow, like that yeah. and there are a bunch of super weirdos like there's this <laughs> There's this weird plant creature guy who I unlocked by... I went to this place called the Hydra Marshes and I got this item and you go back to this scientist place, Lucia, and she joins your party as well. But you, if you have this item, you feed it to this weird plant in the water and all of a sudden it comes alive and it's like, hello, I am Neo Theo. And you're like, okay, you're a weird plant little creature guy and now he's a party member. So now I have this green like uh, spriteling guy called Neo Theo. Um, they're a random fairy that you can recruit that I wasn't able to because of a certain sequence of events that I did in the wrong order. And so 
when I went down to this place where there should be a cage with a fairy in it, the cage was empty because the monster had already eaten them. And so I'm locked out of that character because I did something in a slightly different order, which is really fascinating. And I, I'm kind of like wondering, like, should I look up too much or should I look up not enough? It's like, it's almost this, this back and forth of, I would like to get all these characters because they're weirdos and it's fun to have them and change them up in my party. But there's also that fun of, oh, this was my path through the game and I didn't end up getting that character. And already, like, listening to MinMax talk through it, there's some characters they bring up and I'm like, oh, I don't have that person. Can I go back and get them? And so, like... Is the game still perfectly beatable and easy enough no yeah. matter which characters you get or totally. are there some real dice yes. yeah um it, it really is and maybe i should get into like kind of how the battle system works and all that because i think it's a really smart um idea and like totally different from anything i've seen in another rpg before um but there's this kind of core concept that everyone has an innate element to them and these elements are six different colors you've got red and blue you've got green and yellow and you have white and black and every color uh, every character will be one of these colors and they are strong against their opposite color and weak to their opposite color as well so surge who is a white innate character he is strong against black characters so if he does a laser beam that's a white move it will be super effective basically on a character who is black innate and same with green and yellow and same with red and blue white and black and red and blue make sense green and yellow just feels like oh i we don't know we just i guess those are opposites now which is a bit strange um but green is just dark yellow yeah, exactly. So I don't know uh, why they made that decision. But, I, you know, it, it's hard to have, like, opposing pairs with all colors. It's yes. just one of, the, I think, like, red and blue is an obvious one because, like, water, fire, you know, makes sense. But, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult in that way. But they make it work. And every character, because they have these different element colors, sometimes you're like, okay, well, I want to have a blue person because I'm going into this fire dungeon. And in the fire dungeon, there's lots of red enemies. And so they're going to be weak to blue stuff. So Lena, who's a blue uh, element uh, person, I had her in my party for that part of the game um, and it really helps because she has a lot of blue spells and a lot of her kind of techs her kind of innate abilities um, are that focus and so it does a lot more damage um, and because you are like this is why i always bag on octopath traveler right because games like chrono trigger and chrono cross figured out leveling up big parties of characters years ago and then octopath traveler is like no well you know if you haven't trained them you have to take them out and grind them up to be the right level and i'm just like this is bullshit man in the 90s they'd already worked this out like there is no worry about grinding in this game because it it works on a non-traditional experience system whereby defeating bosses gives you a star and you get more stars when you defeat bosses and the star is basically a signal to level up your character by increasing their stats and so when you beat a boss you get a level up and you get a bunch of stat increases but every kind of subsequent like maybe 10 fights or so after that boss you also get like mini stat increases so you can level up after a boss a little bit and get a bit more stat increases, but the game will always meet you where you're supposed to be because it knows what level you should be given how many bosses you've beaten because you're always going to do it in whatever sequence and so you'll be at that appropriate level for whatever you're going into and each character doesn't have an individual level, they just have individual stats, which, you know, if you're using Kid all the time, then sure, she'll be a little bit stronger than some of your other party members, but it's still very viable to just switch out anyone whenever you want to um, and throw them into the party and they will be at an appropriate level because of the star system governing every character you have. So there's no individual character level, it's just like individual stats, and those can be, you know, as I said, massaged a little bit, but for the most part, it's it's all balanced, and so you you can freely switch people in and out um, and, and be able to use them. And this kind of comes into the, the battle system as well, which is built around 
these elements that you collect so as i've mentioned all these different colors you have and some of them are healing ones uh, in terms of the elements you collect some of them uh, are damaging some of them do stat debuffs and stat nerfs and things like that um and there's this kind of grid that uh builds up based on a stamina system so instead of mana in this game you have this thing called stamina and so at the start of every fight everyone has maximum stamina and when you attack someone there are three kind of levels of attack you can do uh, a, a weak attack which is a higher percentage chance to hit a medium attack which is a lower percentage and a strong attack which is an even lower percentage so when you're first starting a fight you want to kind of go for a a weaker attack first to build up your percentage if you if you land a hit your all your percentages for all those attacks raise up mm-hmm. and this is all governed by stamina so say you have seven stamina you can do a one hit a two hit and a three hit and that will take you down from seven to one because that's six total and it takes you down to one and then when you're on one what i usually do is i use an i use an element because you can use an element no matter how much stamina you have so it's basically good to get all your hits out of the way get down to how much you need for your element attack and then kind of blast that out um this sounds very complicated it's, it's a lot simpler than i'm making it sound it's just maybe because it's a, a different system that um, i've not seen before it just kind of like is a little bit harder to get your head around initially but once you do it's super seamless and there is no management of that stuff right because your stamina is a thing that refills as your other characters attack so if you play a surge you do all your hits then you do an element as your other characters are attacking surge in the background is replenishing his stamina so he will then be ready to go when his turn comes up again and because there's no mana management at the end of a battle you don't have to worry about refilling anything right you don't have to worry about using your most powerful spells Um, and that's the other thing with the elements is you can only use them once per fight so you use a super powerful thing and you only can use it in that fight but if it's against regular enemies that's probably going to do a ton of damage and it makes it so much easier to get through enemy mobs and i think one of the things that rpgs misstep with is like there's always this tension of okay i have this really powerful spell but i don't want to use it on a regular enemy mob because i want to save it for the boss because when i get to the boss i need to like use all my mana up properly right and then you might have like mana potions to boost that based on so does this game not have mana i know it's called stamina but it does this game doesn't have any potions to boost it because it just replenishes after battle. right it's all natural and replenishes and as a result of that there's no none of that sort of management and and because all of your elements replenish each battle as well you can feel no guilt in just being like i'm just going to spam the most powerful shit straight out the gate and it makes getting through regular encounters so much faster so much easier and i should mention obviously the speed up uh, of the remaster is really helpful because you can move really quickly through areas um, and you can get through battles a lot faster and i think like that kind of plays into a little bit of the um the problems with some of the frame rate stuff in this game which is it's not great but because it's a turn-based rpg i'm not as affected by it and using the speed up also helps it's just like sometimes it's a little laggy of like you press a button and it doesn't press it because the frame rate is low and it hasn't read your input properly and that sucks like they really should have done a better job with optimizing this game but as an rpg i don't think it's as detrimental as some other genres can be when it comes to this sort of stuff and it is unforgivable right this is a ps1 game for fuck's sake this should run perfectly on the switch it shouldn't have any issues um but you know that that's kind of a thing to be aware of but um but yeah that that basically means when you're in battles 
you can just go all out and then the other thing is at the end of a battle the game will be like oh do you want to heal using some of the elements that you hadn't used in the fight and you just say yes and it just basically will heal the weakest party member uh, and get you almost back to full health a lot of the time at the end of a fight it also has an option to heal with um items as well or like re um consumable elements uh, so if you have a stockpile of a bunch of like tablets or something that will heal you outside of battle you can just click that at the end of a fight and it will use those as well to get you back to maximum hp so it feels like everything is so streamlined to make this a smooth experience from being able to run from any encounter not having any mana management because of the stamina being able to heal after everything and also no need to grind because of the way they have implemented this the star system it is it's so revolutionary and i'm so confused as to why modern games don't like take from these systems um and, and i think it just makes it stand out it makes chrono cross stand out as this experience that for me honestly right now is up there with final fantasy 7 i just got to a moment in the middle of the game that i think is probably like it was a twist that totally got me that i wasn't expecting that is incredibly fucking cool and changes everything about the game and i didn't know about it and i think part of that is because chrono cross is so under talked about that it's not like oh you know there's the the, the big thing that happens in you know knights of the old republic everyone knows or the big thing that happens in final fantasy 7 that everybody knows there's a big thing that happens in chrono cross in the middle of that game that no one talks about because i guess no one talks about chrono cross um and and it's awesome like i i am so into the world they've built and the characters are all goofy and weird and the the combat system is fantastic and seamless and all this choice you have between party members and exploration and all the weird kind of hidden stuff in the game there's a party member called skelly who is this he, he you find him as this skeleton head just like bopping out he's a skeleton head in clown makeup and it's like okay this is a weirdo and the idea is you go around the world and you find the different parts of his body and eventually when you find all of them you put him back together and he just becomes a party member at that point in time like you find his disparate pieces and then he just becomes a party member and you, you go, go home because his grandmother has been talking about him and you know being out in the world and stuff and you need to go find him and you come back and, and she's like oh skelly you look like you're uh, not eating enough these days and it's like he's a fucking skeleton so of course like it's like this grandma can't properly see him uh, which is hilarious it's just so well done a um, lot of funny characters and funny moments but also like this interesting story and, and world and a lot of kind of characters getting very existential uh and and i think that fits in with the theme of the game and the kind of like alternate realities of like what would happen if you, you know your paths were different um and there is there is a section like very beginning of the game where everyone starts off that you are in this it basically starts in media res so you start like in the middle of this dungeon at the very start of the game and it will random the game will randomize a third character for you and so everyone's playthrough always starts differently with a different third character who isn't really you know a, an important thing because it's just the beginning of the game but it's this interesting idea that builds into that kind of notion that the game is going for of these split realities and what could happen every time and you know it helps with like the new game plus idea of every re reality is different everything will be slightly different every time you go through um so yeah i am i'm smitten with chrono cross i really did not expect to love it this much i think it's honestly up there with final fantasy 7 as one of the best playstation 1 rpgs um so couldn't recommend it highly enough uh you know it's a great price on switch really worth checking out at some point and you know it has a little bit of a learning curve as i mentioned you know i maybe you didn't understand anything i said about the battle system but uh I, it does really valley friendly enough i think it is you know i think you can okay. you can massage yourself into it um and i you know you're not as big of a fan of jrpgs as i am so I, I don't know if you will really fall into it in the same way that i have but 
you know some of that quality of life stuff i know that's the sort of thing that annoys you in rpgs as well yeah, so totally. it's um it's a really big big uh, uh important game and i think that it's it's great to have it being more recognized uh you know in a modern era um because i think you know a lot of people kind of passed it by so yeah uh, i'm about halfway through the game um you know continue to play along with kind of min max and uh and their uh discussion and uh, continue to enjoy doing that so i will yeah probably check in with it next time and hopefully have finished it by then as well but um bally you also played a game that we have talked about as we were mentioning before the show on every episode uh, for the last like three uh, episodes um kirby and the forgotten land came out and you did get a chance to play through the whole thing i did and yeah this was like this felt really nice because it was it was once i was in my rhythm a bit more with bally jr and it was like right now i'm gonna sit down and play a brand new new release for this year just sit down and play it and yeah i played it in quite a short period of time to be honest and yeah i was surprised how quickly you were able to get through it actually i think i maybe spent i don't know nine ten hours with the game i didn't Mm -hmm. really do much extra stuff i just wanted i was just enjoying mainlining it really i I was looking for collectibles where i could but i don't think i did many of the um sort of extra side levels and things or like right the The challenge stuff stuff where you kind of get the rare um materials to upgrade because i know you didn't fully upgrade a lot of the abilities um and that, that stuff seemed cool but i think I think I was just really shocked by how good this game was. And I think especially the first three worlds were just so fresh and exciting. Um, I think that the, the what really vibed with me initially was just the world and how, like, how it references, in my mind, it references how many parts of Japan are actually, like, abandoned and forgotten, hmm. where... Japan has had multiple sort of economic crashes and after these economic crashes uh people move from more rural towns to the city and this is still a problem that's happening in Japan right right now is that like these towns and things get abandoned and right. then people move in and there's actually like a whole like remote island called like Hashima Island which has like a whole I think it was like there was like a mine on it and all the workers lived in housing in flats on the island and then the entire island back in the early 90s late 80s just became completely abandoned and it really reminded me of like the geography and architecture of what caribbean forgotten land is going for um and i I love that i think it's just it's such a unique thing about japan where there are just so many abandoned buildings and that's just part of kind of what's happened with that society and things and i think that really vibed me in the first three worlds on top of the fact that I think worlds four to six and you go to like the cold land and then the desert land and it starts to fit a, feel a bit more tropey as you get further along. Um, and then my biggest criticism is that the the, the, the mouthful mode transformations, which I like the main, one of the main, if not the main selling point of the game, they just start repeating themselves a little bit too often. More, too often. And in a world where we've played mario odyssey and it takes two that are just we've talked about so much on the show that they're just so relentless in their new ideas and not Mm -hmm. returning to old ideas when a game like kirby comes out and it's like these transformations are really cool but then they keep getting repeated and not massively evolving on that formula necessarily and they do in some interesting ways but by the end of the game i was very much like Oh, the, Mathematics is really cool. I just wish there were more transformations. And that's never 
a criticism I had with like Mario Odyssey is like, oh here we go Mario's Odyssey we're transforming into this thing again in order to do this I, you just never feel that with Mario Odyssey because you're going to a new transformation and you capture every single time almost and right this game just doesn't quite have that and I will say the end game the finale is fantastic I think it's really surprising I think it's worth getting to yes but if you take the first three worlds and the end game this game was going to be like nintendo top tier for me and interesting personally it's not top tier nintendo i don't yeah. think it quite makes that echelon and it's interesting because if i think about a game where we both picked it up thinking it was going to be a very good game but we never thought it would ever be nintendo top tier and i think a game like luigi's mansion 3 is nintendo top tier but i don't think we were expecting it to be and i actually think the way that we talked about luigi's mansion 3 being top tier and surprising and innovative and fresh is is kind of the way a lot of people are talking about this game in the industry and i think a lot of those people maybe just don't play as many platformers as we do or don't they don't follow nintendo quite as closely perhaps as we do but like i genuinely don't think this game is like nintendo top tier i think it's a no. very good Kirby game it might even be the best Kirby game i think i right i probably still side with canvas cursor over this game um i think i would as well just because i think that input mechanism and the ideas they have with it are so interesting throughout and at the end of the day this is still a, a kirby game like it's a it's a yeah. polished like really unique one with some fun ideas and, and different things that you do but like you said i i definitely felt that in the latter half of the game not that i didn't enjoy it but i was like okay this is just getting a little bit long in the tooth because mm. here's a, here's another world with a with a bunch of levels that like are cool environmentally but ultimately at the end of the day i'm still using the same core abilities and yeah. because there aren't enough of them to provide that variety like you mentioned um it, it was like okay it almost felt like a bit going through the motions at the end of the game yes, and not to definitely. say that i don't think the game's good because i think it is great like it's for me it's like an eight, eight hour ten game right it's, it's really solid um but it doesn't like luigi's mansion 3 is just phenomenal like it's such a vibrantly different experience every floor you go to is unique all the boss fights are fantastic like think about the pirate ship area and all those like mm. little touches the flourish like how like the animations and and kirby has that stuff as well that doesn't quite have the kind of boldness i think that games like mario odyssey and luigi's mansion have it's got oodles of polish but not oodles of innovation and yes. i think that games like odyssey uh luigi's mansion 3 it takes two they've got the polish plus the innovation consistently throughout the yeah. whole game and i think that is it's actually a really hard thing to do in games especially these days yeah may, i don't know maybe we're being too harsh because like it's, it's hard to do that right like those games stand out because they're amazing well yeah if kirby had come out at the launch of the switch i think we'd both be even more positive on it i think we're yeah. now like it takes two and the odyssey have come out fairly recently in, in comparison and i think that yeah it's the bar is getting harder and mm -hmm. you, you can't just put out a 3d platformer in 2022 and expect to you know be amazing and this and this game i think everyone thought it was going to be a 7 out of 10 and it is definitely not a 7 out of 10 it's no. much better than that and that is yeah. awesome and i like it's really good to see hal do a 3d kirby and i i'm being overly <laughs> being overly negative i think yeah i think i'm just trying to take some of the there's just a little bit too much hype in the in the industry for this game in yeah. my opinion but also okay. everyone loves kirby because uh he's pink and hilarious and very <laughs> he's Japanese. adorable I um, love him. Uh, but yeah it, it's a very cool game i would have taken out 
I would have added a few more mouthful modes mm-hmm. and maybe taken out one world or two. And I think yeah, it would have I think been if it was five game. worlds long instead of six, Oof, and, yeah, and yeah. you added like three more mouthful mode abilities that were spread further out throughout yes. the game. Because I think one of the other issues is like you almost see all of them within the first couple of worlds, exactly, and yeah. it just doesn't feel like it's properly paced out for the rest of the game. You know, but how good do those first two worlds feel as a yeah, result? Like, exactly. imagine repeating that. You know, like yeah it's great being in the car it's fantastic but now we're in world six and we're still the car yeah <laughs> and you're yeah. like come on i need i need something out likewise i don't want to go into too many captures and right there's our mouthful modes but i'll just say one more the um the flying one like mm-hmm. when that first happens and i had missed it in trailers or anything i was like wow this is incredible and then you yeah. do it three times and you're like okay right yeah, <laughs> yeah. it loses the magic that's yeah. the thing right um, yeah, it, for a game that is is clearly going for magic, it wants that experience to be magical, but doesn't realize that repeating that experience takes all the magic out of it, which is yeah. exactly what Odyssey and it takes to realize that the second yes. you repeat something, the magic's gone. You, mm-hmm. you, you get that magic once. Totally. Um, and I think from a game development perspective, it's really hard to stick with one idea for one thing and then ditch it and move on to something else. That takes incredible hours of manpower you know like to yeah to get there but you know that's kind of like the threshold for top tier games in 2022 and yeah it's, yeah it's not a top tier game but it's a fantastic game it'll still probably do quite well on my top 10 games of the year probably for sure yeah um, depending yeah. on what else comes out or doesn't come out this year but like, i i had a real good time and it's nice to see kirby in the 3d space do it so well um i'm i was i was very impressed it's very good for sure, yeah. It's a, it's a great little game and uh, glad that people are really enjoying it. So, yes, uh, that, however, is going to do us for the first part of the show. Don't go anywhere, however, because we will be back after this at a little break to talk about your emails. See you in a bit. Welcome back to the second segment of today's show. This feels very strange. I've not done it in a very long time. Uh, it's time for emails. Uh, as MBZ said at the top of the show, we are getting low, low, low on emails. And we need some more. So please send your emails, your questions, your comments to thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. You can also leave a question in our emails channel over on our Discord server link to that in the description come and join the community mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a great time yeah for sure our first email is from turtle on discord says long long time viewer 
I remember the 50th episode and still sometimes get tripped up when during the Patreon section, Caroline is called fiancé. And then I'm like, wait, it's wife now. <laughs> I haven't watched every episode taking three to four month breaks every other year or so. So I want to say thank you for being a consistent part of my life for so long. My question is, if the Switch was another Wii U where there were so many droughts in content, would you still be making the podcast? I remember mid to late Wii U on the podcast, you seemed very burnt out by the lack of content. I'm just wondering if you feel like you would have continued going if there was even more years like the Wii U ones. All right. Uh, okay, existential questions here about mm. uh, <laughs> our uh, uh, Nintendo's effect on the show and, and how much that matters, uh, if, if that even is a factor. Um, it's interesting because I think, like, we started the show during an era where Nintendo was fucking up majorly, right? Like, <laughs> yes. we, we, but, but, and yet we still. November 2013. Right. Um, so that's like. 3DS has been out for a couple of years. It was like Link Between Worlds um, and what was the other game? Uh, 3D World. I think Luigi's Mansion 2 had come out that year as well at some point. Um, but, you know, 3DS wasn't in a great state in 2013. Uh, the Wii U had come out the year before and was flopping massively. Um and I think the writing was kind of on the wall at that point of like, well, we're just going to have to kind of ride out this generation of not great performance from Nintendo and bad hardware. But I think we have always been Nintendo fans in the sense that, you know, even if they put out a console that is absolute garbage, I will buy it because I'm an idiot, right? Like, I'm, I'm just going to do that. Um and that's just because I, I know that the games they will make for it and the stuff they put on it will be stuff that I'm interested in, right? Um, so even when we started, I think there was that knowledge that, look, they're not in a great place, but I don't know if that matters necessarily. And I think part of what drove us through that time was playing older stuff as well, which was a mm. great kind of way to explore the history of the company and you know catch up on things we'd missed out on and honestly was like a nice kind of respite in the sense of not having to i think these days not that i i get like um worried about it or anything but it's like man there are a lot there are just too many video games and like it's so hard to like put your focus or concentration on any one thing because there's always a ton of stuff coming out and it's great on nintendo's part of like okay we're gonna have this release, you know, Kirby's coming out, and then Switch Sports is coming out, we've got Xenoblade and Splatoon, like, everything's happening this year, and it's great, but, like, I would, I do like it when there's a break, I'm, like, I'm happy when yeah. there's a bit of a pause in the action, because it allows us to, like, take a breather, and, you know, play some older stuff, and just kind of catch up. On top of all the non-Tendo stuff we're playing as well, which yeah, takes totally. a lot of time. Yeah, so it's, it's just nice to have you know not to say that it would be nice for nintendo to fail again but um i don't think that them having another wii u would have necessarily changed anything for me um i don't know how you feel Bally, but like i i would do this regardless of if nintendo was tanking or if they're not and in many cases it's even more interesting when they are tanking because they have to do weird stuff like yeah. do a humble bundle or like put out mario kart 8 and say by the way we got some really cheap first party games very near launch with the wii u right we nowhere near that era again exactly like the idea that nintendo would be like anyone who buys mario kart on switch gets a free game yeah, is like or pikmin 3 for right. free exactly it's absurd and yet it's what they had to resort to during that era because they were their backs were up against the wall but um yeah i don't know what are your, your thoughts on this Bally? i think everyone talks about the wii u being a failure and sure sales wise it was a failure but in our minds we had an absolutely great time and sure i don't think it's quite as good as a switch in terms of number of games the hardware itself but 
I rate the Wii U higher, as high as other systems like N64, GameCube, you know, GBA, and then, like, it wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, this worst console in our eyes, honestly, and I even include the games lineup in that, like, Wind Waker HD, Pikmin 3, Star Fox Zero, Mario 3D World, like, these are all games I absolutely love, and I think that the the narrative that's being created on Wii U is a very simple one that is it sold 13 13 million yeah 13 million therefore it is a failure it's like I can't disagree with that but to argue that there's not a hardcore of five six seven eight nine million Nintendo fans which were probably included in that had a blast with that system I think would be false like I think there's still a hardcore that had a great time and you know it was still pretty innovative and interesting the fact that it had this tethered uh, gamepad which is actually technology you really don't see anywhere else like it is quite unique technology to have like something tethered to a screen in the way that it was like it's not actually running on the screen it's just this tether technology that's pretty strange and unique so like it's a very good system in my eyes and was always going to be something i was happy to talk about in depth on the podcast sure there were huge gaps between big games at times but as MBZ already said, like we had, we still have huge gaps in our Nintendo knowledge and play history. And unlike Switch Online, which is mixed at the best of times, like mm-hmm. the Wii U had the best, best virtual console that has ever been. It was an upgrade from the Wii. Like it was so many systems, Game, Game Boy Advance, N64, Super Nintendo, games that we had never played before that we obviously all of a sudden had a lot of gaps to talk about some real classics like we played link to the past i played super metroid you know super mario world like all these super nintendo classics earthbound like there was so much that we would never have the time to fit into the same scale playing all those old games today and i think that's something that hugely benefited us it benefited the show it helped benefit the show now with us now having that knowledge of those older games like mm-hmm. it's, good, it's a good reference point to see yeah. how those series have evolved and changed over the time and you know we we take great pride in being a nintendo focused show and i think it's important that being a nintendo focused show that we have it's important to play quite a few nintendo games if you want to talk with any authority about a lot of nintendo stuff which right, we try yeah. to do um so i think it was a great building block for the show if the Wii U happened again today, you know, in my mind, I think we'd continue as normal. I think there would be, even if it was there was a bit a big gaps between big launches, I think there's still so many classic and modern Nintendo games that we've not played and want to catch up on that, trust me, like, we will find Nintendo stuff to play that uh-huh. will, listeners will be interested in that the, I'm sure... There's always going to be enough games right exactly. like there's no you're never going to run out of games to talk about yeah um uh you know these days especially it's, it's just overwhelming in a way that is is a little scary um and i don't know it makes you kind of think about like i don't know how's the industry going to go like with subscription services and all these different things how mm. are people's play habits going to change it's it's um there's, there's more people making games than ever and there's more people playing games than ever but it also means that there's more people having failures than ever, right? Like, there are so many indie developers out there who make games that just no one plays. They just put yes. out there and they fall and, and no one hears about them again and they're gone. And you hear about the success stories all the time of, like, Hollow Knight and Stardew Valley and all these, like, Celeste, all these great great games. But for every single one of those, there are a thousand failures. Yeah, they're, be- um, they're becoming one in a million the more yeah. we're progressing, you know. And Exactly. And, um, and like, 
we are playing so many games like we, we're playing so many games that we've made an even uh, an extra patreon show to talk about the games that we can't fit on just this overflow show to do with yeah. nintendo because we just play we play so many games at the moment um and you know i don't think that nintendo's cadence of games necessarily directly affects that um quite as strictly as we think we love covering the newest latest hottest nintendo games but there are still big nintendo releases that we're maybe not always covering and yeah exactly. and that's okay because i think we're not professionals this isn't our full-time job and right. um we gotta pick and choose what we play and don't play and we very mm-hmm. much pick what we want to play and don't play what we don't want to play yeah and that's and yeah. that's okay whereas you know if this was our professional jobs we'd probably have to play the but the duff stuff as well because that's kind of part and parcel of the role but you know we can do what we want with this podcast and dodge the bad stuff when it does come along right like um god what's the game that just ghostwire tokyo that's like yeah. all the press was playing and it felt like this obligation on every podcast for our people to talk about it and i'm like because of the media hype you know it had yeah. such a big marketing budget and it was mm-hmm. like we are a big outlet therefore we must have a take on this game and it's like yeah yeah, and this game just seems like boring and kind of bad. So, yeah. Like it's just yeah, and and I don't I don't ever want to be beheld to stuff like that. So um, it's it's nice that we're able to kind of you know do do what we like, but still cover a broad amount of stuff. Um, I don't know. I think the only way in which it would be tricky is if they have another Wii U, and then Nintendo just decides we're getting out of the console business, and then they become a Sega and start, you know, being a third party, which I strongly argue against. I still think that that just won't happen. You know, Nintendo will close its doors before they do that, uh, in my opinion. They are a stubborn-ass old company, and they will not <laughs> want to to do that. Like, it feels like so against their DNA. And I think that's part of the thing that people don't really recognize as much is like how important nintendo's hardware is to the experiences they make right like they always try and pair them with one another right they make experiences built around that hardware and they make great experiences for that hardware because they know it intimately and they have built it specifically for those purposes um and when you remove that when you start having nintendo make stuff for like playstation it's like well they don't have that kind of same drive to do interesting innovative things anymore um and i I think it would just result in less interesting games uh less good stuff overall and uh, a worse experience and i don't know would do you think that would change things badly if they were to you know stop making consoles and and just become a um or if they were to even disappear because i know there's lots of podcasts out there that are like retro nintendo podcasts they just basically just talk about old nintendo games all the time and and they don't necessarily focus on what is current and modern do you think that would change uh, what we would do um to a degree i think we would still talk about the nintendo games when they came out um but you're right a lot of the show we're talking about games for nintendo platforms that aren't nintendo games and so that would very much change we'd probably we'd probably end up just talking a bit more nintendo and that'd mm-hmm. be okay if that was the natural evolution of the way the company went that'd probably be okay with the podcast but it's just kind of getting that balance right um yeah and making sure we're playing what we want to play but we're talking about games that listeners are still interested in and getting that that, that combination right where for we sure. are still yeah. nintendo focused um and that's obviously why we have a Nintendo show on the other right. side. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it's it, it's definitely a interesting kind of like lens to look through, like the what if scenario. You know, what if they hadn't recovered? What if Switch had been a failure? Um, and I don't know. I I think I'm just kind of a weirdo, and maybe we're both just kind of weirdos who are like. <laughs> the wii u was a great like it for me it was like laser focused on exactly what i wanted you know Mm. i i love this ability to have something that was 
portable because i always grew up with portable games to have a youtube app you could take to the loo a hundred percent yes exactly like it was the perfect youtube machine that has ever been invented like the idea that you can play a youtube video on a tv and then browse stuff on a browser on the handheld thing like before i had a, a full big pc to do that and had multiple monitors that i have at this point in time it was basically like having multiple monitors uh with a wii u which is a weird thing to say i, I can now do that with my my smart tv and i can sync my phone and yeah. you can play um a youtube video on the tv while scrolling for the next youtube video on right. your phone yeah a lot of smart tvs do that at this point right. in time but the wii u did it first god yes. damn it and, <laughs> and it was really good and it you know you could set things up in that way and uh it, it it just worked perfectly it was like a great internet browser but it was also just the experiences you had like you are never going to have something like nintendo land appear on any other system it just doesn't oh, work otherwise and it's so innovative and interesting like affordable space adventures i don't think it's an incredible game but like what a unique experience Mm. we had playing through that game together um a really kind of remember coming up to aberdeen and we all played um nintendo land Mm -hmm. and just that was such a blast yeah exactly and and like that's the thing i love about the company is their ability to do bonkers stuff that you know sometimes it misses and then sometimes it hits right they're like okay but what if a portable system that just also worked on your television um but also they had these detachable controllers that you could turn on their side like nes controllers like the wii was at some point but also these controllers have ice cubes in them because who who the fuck knows what is going to take off with the system so let's just throw everything in um and you know when you think about it the switch is a pretty traditional console but it's also fucking weird like it's such a weird thing um overall all and it just turned out that this brand of weird was a multi-million uh worldwide popular device and the wii u just wasn't right and i'm a weirdo, weirdo who likes both but for most people they liked one and they didn't like the other so uh you know it just kind of comes in waves and stuff like that so you know if, if nintendo yeah, we've got nintendo switch sports coming out end of the month like that exactly a perfect example of how this thing does come in waves like it's... right for sure um so if nintendo go ahead and make another console that's super weird i'll probably love it and maybe other people won't but i think that's fine and i think that you know we'll, we'll as, as long as they keep making consoles and keep making video games yeah. we'll, we'll be here chatting about we're, them, we're so. playing enough other traditional games on other platforms that the idea of nintendo just going traditional is kind of boring in a way oh so boring like, yeah we, they are the innovators the the toy company you know like we we love all that as much as we like their more traditional games as well and like it's about that combination and i think that that's what we're most interested in covering on this podcast as much as we talk about loads of other stuff when nintendo are weird and wacky i think it's it's fantastic to play and talk about yeah for sure um so thanks for the email title i appreciate it the next email is from tim and this is from discord says with bally and myself recently becoming dads congratulations tim that's Mm -hmm. that's awesome I have some parenting video game questions, as promised. Two questions for me this time. Right, first question, we'll we'll do them one at a time. Yeah. Um, How did your parents approach regulating your gaming when you guys were young? When did you start playing games? Did you have any restrictions on your gaming time? Personally, I had a late start as while I had some friends with Game Boys that I played Pokemon with, I didn't get my own console until I was gifted a GBA by some family friends when I was almost nine. My parents don't play games and would never buy me anything themselves. My parents didn't specifically restrict my gaming at any point, but they did unofficially enforce a mix of games, board games, reading, uh, playing outside. I think that was a good way to manage it. 
My next door neighbours while growing up had a strict 30 minutes limit per day on video games that was very restrictive. Uh, when we got older, that rule went away, but I don't remember when. Yeah, uh, interesting. It's something I haven't thought about in a long time of like, what were my habits when I was a kid? It's, some, it's also one of those things where in the moment when you're young, it's just the way life is. But as uh-huh. you get older, you're like, oh yeah, they they I was manipulated. Like, I, they, <laughs> I, like they, they did restrict me. They just didn't tell me they were restricting me. Yeah. You know? like, I think parents operate in very mystical manipulative mm-hmm. not always the best kind of ways to sure. try um, enforce what they would like over their children perhaps right yeah um and i guess it depends what kind of household you grow up with what kind of rules get set like how strict things are and i wouldn't say things were ever that strict um for me it was it was more so a case of uh, if i'm honest i didn't really play that many like console games on my own when i was at home on my own and yeah. i think that's this weird thing where i was like a little bit scared because it was like oh it's a big tv a big game i i've always had this weird thing of like sometimes i just find it hard to start up games that are big and scary and like and back then stuff like i don't know star fox adventures on we on gamecube was was scary because it's like a big 3d game and there are things that will attack me and maybe kill me and i don't want to die on luigi's mansion Um, yeah exactly yeah terrifying Terrifying. yeah so so like i mainly played those types of games when i was with friends which granted was a a lot because we often went over to each other's houses all the fucking time and were playing video games constantly so that that was nice because i don't you know when i was at your house or you were at my house we were never really restricted right like remember the spider-man weekend where all we did was play spider-man 2 on gamecube and sorry go ahead i was going to finish this yeah no i I was just going to say we basically no one told us to stop or i mean probably our mums came in and was like guys go to the park kick a ball around we're like (laughs) no we're playing spider-man 2 we we need to beat the game in a weekend yeah Uh, that was awesome it was amazing and and you know parents when you're with your friends they're not going to be as strict and enforce stuff like that because they're like well they're having fun they're you know all the socializing my mom so. admitted to something hilarious okay a while back but she said at the when so there would always be like it's almost like the final hour or something where it's like oh no mbz's mom is coming uh-huh. um we're gonna fit in more games we're gonna fit in this time and and regardless like whenever that period came where it was like right friends are getting picked up yeah my mom admitted to me that she would make sure that we were at that point outside playing like football in the garden or something so it made it look like we'd been outside longer even though we'd been there for like five minutes like with our lightsabers or some shit yeah i remember your mom especially when the weather was good if we'd been gaming a while she'd be like right out you get get, yep. get the cricket back get the lightsabers get the football yeah and then yeah. we'd go spend a good hour and a half um and, and, and we enjoyed that though i think for sure yeah. we're our own worst enemy where we would have just stayed inside the dark room on a sunny day the entire uh-huh. day and had a great time yeah uh, and we still really enjoyed a bit of cricket and football and lightsabers in the park or whatever uh-huh. so you know yes that, that famous activity that all kids do lightsabers in yeah. the park <laughs> Oh my god, we're nerds. Um, but yeah, I I don't think that I had too much restriction just because I didn't actually spend that much time on my own in my room playing games, right? And the other thing was that the family television is where my stuff was set up on. So my PlayStation, right. GameCube, Wii, all that stuff was on the family TV. And so in the evenings, everyone's watching TV as a family. And so it's very rare that like during that period of time, I would have been there playing it. Like I would have had to play it when other people weren't around. Like if I came back from school and had like an 
an hour or whatever i'd play it then but and i think that's probably what gravitated me much more towards handheld devices is that i could be in my room playing it and not have to have that kind of barrier to it almost right it was yeah. it was so much more seamless to just pick up my ds or my game boy and just be like i'm playing this and obviously games like pokemon was such so much easier for me to pick up and play um and especially when it got into the era when i was playing competitive pokemon was like yeah this is like mostly what i play when i play video games like i wasn't really touching my consoles that much i was just playing stuff on my ds uh, and, and ev training and doing stuff with pokemon so um yeah it was it was uh i wouldn't say that i ever had too much restrictions it was mainly the restrictions more came in like how many video games i got of like when would i get them when would i be able to get new ones and stuff like that Mm. because i didn't get a ton all the time it was like rare occasions where and my parents didn't really do like um chores stuff with like giving you money they would just like every now and again they'll just buy something just because um instead of like having a system for it yeah um and and yeah mainly it would be around birthdays and christmas where i would get a lot of games but then it would mainly be just like sometimes like i remember with excite truck you had it and i was like oh this is really fun i want to play this and i think it was a bit cheaper than the regular wii game so i remember me and my sister with my mom going to um game and and picking up excite truck because it was something that i wanted and and we got it and yeah that was that was that so um it was it was maybe a bit more restrictive in that way but not necessarily of like you only have an hour today to play this thing and then i'll take it away from you it was it never no. really got to that point i think that's because i was generally quite good at self-regulating anyway so right yeah I, I was very similar in a lot of those aspects um my parents definitely never pushed gaming and didn't they generally didn't want me gaming i think uh-huh. that was clear they didn't love it but they didn't hate it to the point where they wanted to take it away from me completely yeah um i remember distinctly one holiday i wasn't allowed to bring my game boy that was like a real rule they'd made oh wow okay and i was pretty damn bored on that holiday and they really yeah. ended up regretting it they, they found they said i was really like like they found it difficult to entertain me through other means uh-huh. and like when you treat kids like games is a form of entertainment at some level you know and like yeah. that is valuable when you have kids to like when you're going places like that mm-hmm. is useful useful but i remember my cousin getting me the original game boy classic and my parents being like oh god well it's a present we can't turn it down sort of thing i guess he has to play it and that was like my start and then i got the n64 much later and then the gamecube and the gamecube was the first console that we both kind of like got nearish launch and yes big yeah. deal and my parents like i agreed like they i preferred to be gaming in the living room with people around me like you said i didn't like sitting yeah. up in my room gaming although my n64 and gamecube would kind of bounce between my room and the living room and kind of go between the two but i definitely do do remember playing on weekend mornings just playing in my room and it was kind of lonely like i didn't really enjoy it but i appreciate my parents kind of enjoyed having that space maybe for me like (laughs) not have you run around the house like a lunatic exactly like every weekend morning so it was kind of like weekend mornings where everyone's waking up everyone's doing their own thing and that was really a game time for me at least um and yeah they they never really massively restricted it it wasn't like i was dying to play games during the week with school because school's honestly so exhausting that i didn't really play much during the week anyway for sure it wasn't like they're restricting it and the few times i would play during the week they'd be like yeah that's you've deserved it you've been at school Mm -hmm. all day yeah like (laughs) you 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 can play sure go for it so we also went to school six days a week so we also went to school six days a week (laughs) which was miserable um 
So yeah, they've never really restricted it in that sense, other than that one holiday, and they did regret that. And yeah, they were pretty good at making sure I got outside and did other things mm-hmm. and mixed up with things. Like, I think we were both fairly balanced growing up, and I think that's important that it's just part sure. of a balance, part of a mix. It's not the sole thing we did as kids. Right, um, yeah. And ha- when you're training to be a Jedi Master, you've got to learn <laughs> lightsaber training. So, like, you can't just yes. play video games all day. Of course, um, yeah. You have to learn so how yeah, to front I, flip. They were fairly laid back, and I appreciate that. And I was a very good money saver growing up. Like, I'd never spend money. And I did get mm. in some clashes with my parents where I was so good at saving money that the number of games I wanted to buy with my money was too many games for them to be happy with. So, oh, I, right. Like, my money was locked to only being spent on certain things. And I couldn't always spend it on video games, which was sometimes quite frustrating. But yeah, yeah. looking back, that's I think I played a ton of games and I don't think they were overly strict on the number of games I bought. And mm-hmm. it was all... I was pretty happy generally and yeah. certainly set me up for a future of Nintendo gaming. Uh-huh. Yeah. Of course. Um... Right. Question two. What do you think is the best approach to raising kids with... You think is the best approach to raising kids with video games. What mm-hmm. age is right nowadays for starting kids off and what kind of games do you want your kids to play? What will Bally Jr.'s very first video game be? I think it will be a lot harder to keep video games away from our kids because unlike when I was young, there will be video games in the house already. I don't think kids uh, should start gaming too young. Maybe five or six is a good age to start playing certain games on their own. And I think I'll lean towards games that will support their reading and critical thinking. I think Pokemon was great for this when we were kids. And hey, I've got plenty of Pokemon games still lying around. Interested to hear your thoughts. And congrats to Bally and Caroline and your little bundle of joy. Awesome. Uh, yeah, Bally, what do you think? Uh, is this uh, something <laughs> you've been thinking about? Yeah, uh, and I considering? Think... I, as we've made clear, I'm a, I'm a big old nerd. I'm into loads of things, loads of games, loads of non-gaming nerdy things as well, board games, you name it. I watch a lot of sport, whatever. Mm-hmm. Lots of things that it would be cool if Bally Jr. was into any or all of these things. And my attitude is, I've, I'm just gonna going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm sure he's going to pick up on a handful of them. And even if it's only just a couple of the many things I'm into, that's that's fine in my book i don't he doesn't have to be into everything everything i'm into and likewise he's going to be into so many things i have no idea about and yeah that's totally fine uh it it is interesting seeing so many parents (laughs) i think a lot of parents this is my impression of what many parents who aren't into video games do end up doing these days where they go we are not getting a video game console until this age. And then the kid just plays on their iPhone or an uh-huh. iPad until yep. the age they're allowed a video game console. And I or think... they're at school and their friends have it and they're like, they want to do it. Exactly. And my attitude to that is what's the point in... If you're going to restrict the games, don't give them an iPad or an iPhone to play on. Restrict the games, you know? Like, yeah. And if you aren't going to restrict the games, you might as well give them an actual game system because then they have their own system that they can, you know, be in charge of and play right. on and and yeah and it is one of those little ownership things as well it kind of treat teaches kids about like possessions and like taking care of things you know Mm. like having a game boy i think when i was younger was a nice thing of okay this is your thing and you're responsible for it and if you lose it that's your fault and you know like it's 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 almost a good teaching mechanism in a way of having because you don't as a kid you don't have that you don't feel like you have that much ownership over uh, you know when you have toys and things like that but um 
it's something like a handheld console you know you can take it places and you can you know keep it in you know your own room and then you put it somewhere and you you're responsible for putting the batteries in when we were younger or whatever all that sort of stuff um is is a nice little kind of way of teaching those lessons as well as having this thing that's your own you know yeah and and in terms of like game time during the work week and this sort of thing my attitude is like it depends on the game honestly like if yeah bally jr is up in his room playing four hours a night a fortnight with his pals yeah i can imagine that being not the best and a little bit frustrating and you know i would like i would like fortnight with his pals to be one part of a wider you know way he spends his time Mm -hmm. i totally get that but if ultimately he wants to play like a story driven i don't know first party playstation game and wants to experience it with me then yeah we can definitely have more time for that because it's a slightly different type of game likewise if we're just playing like a bunch of mario kart together or something you know like right it just depends on the game i wouldn't say there's a limit on hours of game played but yeah i am definitely concerned if it if gaming purely becomes with his pals in his room for hours and hours and hours every single night that would be a little bit concerning but that was never something i wanted growing up but i appreciate that's how most kids play these days well it also didn't really exist when we were growing up right like i i do i definitely kind of understand that but also from the perspective of kids these days so much of their socialization comes through those online spaces right Mm. and obviously we have all this talk of metaverse and all this nonsense but there is this interesting part of like a lot of kids when they are on Fortnite, like they're playing it but a lot of it is that socialization right they are hanging out with their friends and that might yeah. be the best way the most fun way for them to do that um and especially during the pandemic is the only way to do that for a lot right. of folks so um yeah it's it is interesting i think we just exist in a different era right now right like i am i can see your kid getting really into roblox right because that's what Mm. everyone at school will be talking about and playing and you'll be like well this sucks roblox is terrible but that's Mm. ultimately what they might be into and so it's it i think it gets tricky with when they start to get into stuff that you are not a big fan of and you're like i don't know if i wanted them to do this but then ultimately you kind of have to think about it and say well this is what they got into i wasn't always into stuff that my parents liked and stuff like that and they're always going to find their own path so it's you know it's a tricky thing to balance i think that's the, the toughest thing probably is like when they get into something that you're like no this is bad why are you doing this but it's what they want to do so um you know it's, it's yeah hard. I, I mean i'm not i'm more worried about like the time he would spend with his friends the amount of time yeah the amount of time and yeah. you're right i wouldn't like if he's hanging out with his friends at a park versus on Fortnite. i don't really have a i don't really judge them that differently obviously yeah the park is physical activity and that's very sure. good for children of course yeah. can't deny that yeah but, um <laughs> it's more to do with how much time is he spending with his friends every night versus family time or yeah not. it's sure. not really yeah. to do with with what the game i mean obviously I, I think violence is one of those things where i'd probably be in favor of generally following age ratings by yeah, and large i mean some sure. of them are probably quite inaccurate in my opinion mm-hmm. um, and there's definitely different types of violence that would yeah concern me but also all um, kids are different right like kids different, different kids will react to different things at different ages and you know i know plenty of people who grew up watching horror movies and that's why they love them these days because they were young mm. and they watched them that age and 
you know, th- th- it's a thing, uh, and certainly I wouldn't have done that. I didn't. That's why I fucking hate horror. But uh, you know, it's it's I, it's just it depends on the person. I guess. I, I remember Alice's mum not being a big fan of fighting games, and neither was my mum. Yeah. But somehow we we snuck Soul Calibur two under the rug from everyone's noses. Somehow. I know. Yeah. How did that happen? Um, yeah. But uh, I remember Alice's mum being pretty wary of Soul Calibur two. Uh, because she was worried that it would, you know, it'd make Ali T violent. And I was like, it won't make Ali T violent. <laughs> that kid was already violent, all right? Yeah, already violent. Ali T was smashing things up uh, at a young age. We'd get round to his house, and then he'd be like, hey, he's like, look, look at this. Look at this. I'm going to do um, Hihachi's rolling kick off my parents' <laughs> bed. I was like, Ali T, this is why we can't have nice things. You know, like... <laughs> You are you are ruining the <laughs> reputation of like kids in fighting games by performing fighting game moves off your parents' bed. But there we yeah, go. I guess so. that does explain why his mom wasn't keen on him. <laughs> He's fucking doing Hayachi moves off a bed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. look, I was doing that shit with Star Wars, right? Like the moment where Luke bounces off of the plank uh, before the Sarlacc pit yes. and does the flip through the air and catches the lightsaber. I would do that on the side of my couch all the yeah. time uh, or, or on the sofa. We'd we'd, we'd role play, uh, you know. Jab of the Hutt and Han Solo. Right. You'd be in your sleeping bag being Jab of the Hutt. Yeah. And I'd, I'd stand on your tail and you'd be yeah. like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just, yeah. So, like, it's not video games. It's just role play. People it's just violence. Play. It's, you know, Star Wars. Yeah. You know, Star Wars is the most popular thing in the world and uh, it quote unquote made us violent, but not really. We're yeah. just, you know, reenacting stuff and that's what all kids will do. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it's weird. the number one thing I want to be that I just know so many parents aren't in the current moment is mm-hmm. i just want to be aware of the video game space i want to be aware yeah. of what uh bally jr is into i want to i don't want to shut it away and let it be something i don't know about it's right. something i would want to find out more about you know and i think too many parents they don't go into their kids playstation or nintendo and check parental controls mm-hmm. or know even know what what playing online is like they don't know if a game has voice chat or not they don't know right. if a game are they gonna meet some stranger online there's gonna mm-hmm. be a risk of the, like they're just they're fearful before they're educated and my exactly. stance yeah. would always be educate yourself before being fearful if i find out oh bally jr's i've looked this up and they've got access to this thing that and i you know it's important you get the right news source as well obviously maybe follow a video game website rather than a mainstream news outlet that might be weak on video games although many mainstream outlets are getting better on video games but my point is that i want to educate myself and be aware of how do the roblox communities function how does that work who are they going to be playing with how is you know like rather than be oh i've heard roblox is bad for this reason therefore Mm -hmm. it is banned you know i just i think it's really important that parents are engaged but also like because you understand games it's easier for you to jump in and try it yourself and kind of figure things out exactly i'm halfway there by the fact i'm so into games exactly so it shouldn't be too much work and research to become knowledgeable about the games he's into yeah um when he inevitably gets involved in some of them growing up you know yeah and inevitably gets involved in stuff that friends are playing that you won't have heard of or you don't have interest in because it's just a new generation of stuff right Right. um which you know i think that's interesting honestly like i i love the idea of learning about your kids uh things and getting into them with them and like you know nurturing that stuff you know making sure that they're really into it and you know with with my dad like i 
share like the crossover of music with him that's a big thing of like he played a lot of that music when i was younger and i wouldn't say it was like forcing it on us but like naturally him playing like black sabbath in the car or whatever right. like got me into that type of music um and it's the sort of thing that you know we can share as something we both enjoy but likewise he, he had sports on all the time and i'd never really got that into watching mm-hmm. sports so mm-hmm. you know there'll be some things that they click with and some things that they don't and totally. it just kind of depends yeah, and I'm 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 totally prepared that like loads of things I'm into we just won't click with him, and that's totally cool. Um, it'd be maybe be a shame if there's absolutely zero I'm into will click with him, but judging from you know parents I know and the way things mm-hmm. work, that's very very rarely happens that and the are, way that like games are just so ubiquitous these yeah. days right um it's just it's gonna by the time he's of age to do it it will be even more so just a regular thing that every kid does you know? exactly um, exactly so. and you know sony first party might really look like the old man games by that point of course know? like yeah, they're gonna be the <laughs> the real like only only 40 year olds play, play yeah exactly games, yeah you know so yeah and, and, and i think that yeah the video game industry is becoming more and more diverse and segmented often where it's very much different age groups the average age of the a player for last of us part two is very different to the average age of say Fortnite. you know like mm-hmm. it's just yeah and that's that wouldn't have been the case necessarily 20 years ago but for sure yeah cool anyway that's all the emails we've got this week uh but as i said at the top of the segment we are getting low on emails so please send more emails into the show uh, please send them to this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com feels so good saying that again yeah, yeah. um back in the smooth rhythm back, of in, back in the rhythm back in the rhythm um and yeah we'll be back in the third segment for a bit of a news roundup so we will be right back everybody welcome back to the third and final part of today's show uh we're here to do a little bit of a news roundup not some massive things happening but some little bits and pieces rumors here and there and also nintendo announcing some release date stuff that is interesting um and in some ways unprecedented so uh so let's let's chat about it and and talk about what is going on um i think the first thing that i wanted to get to is this release date stuff with xenoblade chronicles 3 so everyone obviously remembers this game got announced earlier this year in a nintendo direct um and they were like yeah it's coming out in september and i was like oh that's good that's like really soon uh, i'm excited for that it's not like end of the year but it's like a kind of nice window to play that game in um and from like rumors in the past i think imran khan had talked about monolith having worked on xenoblade for a a while now and it being done and ready to go so it felt likely and obvious that this was going to be the case um and then nintendo decided they were going to drop a trailer uh like a few days ago and i remember just like being on twitter and and seeing it pop up and being like oh shit new xenoblade trailer wait release date okay i guess we'll get specifics in september when it's coming out um 
and then they undelay the game. They bring it forward. They change its release date from quote unquote September to the 29th of July. Um, and you could say that's like two months uh, bringing it forward. I guess it's basically August by that point. But um, we didn't know when in September it was coming. So it's like it's a it's a massive like change uh, and it's really interesting and i don't i don't think i can think of any example like this with a big game at least where it has been announced for a window and then released even earlier than that was expected mm. um i don't know if you you have any examples of that Bally. i'm trying to think um maybe like back in the 3ds or something there must yeah be something 3ds or wii u but i don't think it's happened on switch yeah, there have definitely been... I think there have been games that have been brought forward like a few days or a week or something like that. But that's always like a yeah. minor thing and it's never um, kind of like as as different as this is. And I think this led to a lot of speculation of like, oh, okay, well, I guess that means that something else has been moved. And I guess this, a lot of the speculation was that Splatoon 3 had been moved. And lo and behold, a couple of days later, Nintendo are like, anyway, here's a Splatoon 3 uh, trailer thing and here's a release date for that. Um, and that's coming in September as well. So um, yeah, I guess I just wanted to chat about uh, the lineup, I guess, for the rest of the year and, and how we're feeling about it, what it looks like. Uh, and also just this idea that Xenoblade 3 just out of nowhere uh, decided to move itself forward. It must be weird if you're working on either Splatoon 3 or Xenoblade uh, Chronicles 3. Mm-hmm. Just realised they're both 3. Yeah. Um, and then NCL up on high comes and says, excuse me, um, you will now be at this date. And hello, excuse me, yes, and you will actually be pushed to this. And just like what that must feel like. And yeah, presumably... Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was already finished, like, as mm-hmm. you say, Imran Khan um, was rumoured and that they've not been crunching their butts off. Um, right. And, yeah, it, 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 it's just really interesting that when studios are that, you know, internal, that uh, you are beholden to the juggernaut that is Nintendo and they can say, actually, we want this game here and this game here, regardless of when it's finished. Well, obviously, they all have to be finished, but regardless of whether it's ready to go or not, it's just like, right... That we need one thing a month for the rest of the year because that's how our uh you know marketing juggernaut go- goes yeah i d- so i don't know if that's the case necessarily i my assumption here is that their original plan was splatoon is a summer game right like it's always been a summer game um and they have tried to position it in that way like the vibes of it are that and i think it just does well in that kind of period of the year and so i think they wanted it to be like the july june game or whatever but it feels like it had to be delayed and as a result they needed something else to fill that gap right as yeah. you were saying like they want something in every month and so it, it this is the interesting part i think is a lot of people have been talking about how nintendo they kind of sit on things for a while mm. right like they they're not necessarily like a lot of other companies where oh we're just sprinting to get this finished and finally we got it finished and we can just put it out the door and whatever we'll patch it later we'll just you know it, it comes out hot but we'll just get it down the line and here's nintendo being like yeah xenoblade 3 is so done that we can just without much sweat just move it forward two months right yeah um and i think a lot of people have talked about that regarding stuff like the quote-unquote metro prime trilogy that supposedly has existed for a decade Mm. um or stuff like twilight princess and wind waker hd being put onto switch like stuff like that which makes sense now with breath of the wild 2 being delayed um having those fill the gaps and and be the ones that kind of patch out the lineup um and i think that's an interesting place for them to be right because 
as we have talked about previously in the Wii U era, they were in panic mode and they had to announce everything and they kind of just blew their load like yeah, quite early. Yeah. And then we didn't have that many new announcements going on for the rest of that console's life cycle. Whereas now they have the wherewithal to be able to say, no, we're going to hold things back. We're not going to really necessarily announce things yet. Um, and it's interesting because it wasn't that long ago that that Nintendo Direct happened. So this is a relatively recent decision of, oh no, we're going to change this from September to July. So it must have just meant that something within the Splatoon 3 mm. pipeline was was a bit uh, taking a bit longer than they expected. Um, you, can, you can really see the games that are sat on because the announcement to release is often like two to three months or less. And yes. you can make that case for Mario Strikers this year, yeah. Nintendo Switch Sports that's about to come out. Uh, it happened with Paper Mario back during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, if it's not, you know, Metroid Prime 4... Breath of the Wild 2 or weirdly Bayonetta 3 that's uh-huh. been dragged into this just saga of and it's more surprising perhaps with Bayonetta 3 than those other two because they're kind of yeah. like prestige hype games on the tier that's a little higher than Bayonetta 3 arguably but it's interesting that they will dangle that carrot and almost do the the Sony first party thing of announcing a game way in advance and then it just takes yeah. ages and obviously like Prime Force had development hell but it's interesting that there are so many games Nintendo have announced recently on Switch have really tight announcement to launch dates when you think that game's actually been they've been sitting on that you know it's very clear they've been sitting sitting on that and it's ready to go and it's interesting xenoblade basically comes into that camp yeah uh yeah on that point i guess like this idea i think ideally for nintendo they want to be in that second camp where they do a very short announce to release but i think one of the benefits that they have of having those few games that have this kind of mythical like longevity quality to them is this promise right to switch owners of like oh eventually breath of the wild 2 will come out and eventually Mm. metro prime 4 will come out there's always that kind of carrot dangling in the background so i think they they kind of like to play both sides even though they often say oh we're only going to show stuff until spring this year but they like to play the other side of well we need to have something to like get keep people's excitement up right because there are moments it comes to moments where they're like oh we actually haven't announced anything for the rest of this year and then the big nintendo direct happens and they announce things for the next few months and it's like okay so we're now sort of for the next few months but throughout that entire process we always have stuff like zelda and metroid just kind of dangling in the background and yeah you can argue like it's it's not the best thing because it just makes people frustrated and just waiting for years and years and all that sort of stuff but it is beneficial to them to have it on their slate right like just having that knowledge there bayonet is an interesting case because i believe it was announced at the game awards and reggie was like anyway here is bayonet one and two coming to switch and i think as a game awards announcement that's not very exciting so it might have been like well they needed something a bit more jazzy to like spice that up and so they're like well let's tie this in with the fact that we are working with platinum on bayonetta 3 even though it like that would have like only just started that point in time right like development would have only just kicked off and yet they announced it then which probably not a great decision given how long it's taken to come out um but i think circumstance in that case kind of pushed them in that direction um right so yeah it's it's a very interesting thing and i don't think i've ever really seen anything like it like seeing that release date at the end of the trailer was like wait what what the hell is going on here it's 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 very strange but i do think it is nintendo looking at their lineup and almost like uh 
you know, like in a military table where you're kind of moving your soldiers around, you know, that's kind yeah. of what they're like with their games. They're like, okay, we need to put this here and that there. Um, and I guess to get a kind of broad overlook at what the rest of the year looks like. So we've got Switch Ports coming up at the end of this month. Um, and we then have, I think in May, I'm not sure if there's anything big in May, but Advance Wars is still kind of hanging out there doing nothing mm, right now. Yeah. Um, Advance Wars could be something that drops in May. Um, I believe in June we get, um, maybe we don't get, uh, you'll get Mario Strikers, right? In June, is yes. that the case? Um, yeah. July, we now have Live Alive alongside Xenoblade 3, which for me is a pain in the ass to be frank because i really want to play live alive but it comes out one week before xenoblade 3 and you know that as soon as xenoblade 3 comes out i'm dropping literally everything else and only playing that for like five weeks straight or whatever how long it takes me probably a week to be honest the way that i go through those games but um yeah that that is a bit of an interesting one so i do wonder if maybe they take live alive and you know plonk it out of that spot and, and put it into august although i did hear something interesting someone was mentioning they're doing a lot of marketing for live alive right now if you've noticed they put out those kind of mini character trailers onto their youtube channels recently they're like here's the guy from the prehistoric times and it's like a mini 40 second trailer kind of detailing the mm. character and the, and the location and it's weird that they're doing that kind of marketing now and maybe the reason for that is because they want to get all that marketing done now ahead of july because by july all their focus will be on xenoblade for their for their jrpg budget let's say for like promoting video <laughs> games um and you know it's it's a first part internal game versus a square enix partnered game so it's going to get more attention from nintendo generally um but then after that we have in august i don't think there is anything major for august at the moment i mean it could be advanced wars i know it's it's a joint partnership as well but like sparks of hope is weirdly just lingering around it might get delayed who knows but yeah for sure um, and I know Ubisoft going through a lot of issues and and problems at the moment anyway. So I don't what know. Nintendo by Ubisoft. <laughs> oh boy, God, I don't know. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a wild world of acquisitions. Um, yeah, I've, I've I've seen some rumors recently about Ubisoft potentially being purchased, which is ironic given how much they fended off Vivendi for years and years. Um, that all their fucking workplace stuff has come to roost. But um, anyway, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then obviously we've got Splatoon now in September, um, which is cool. I think actually Splatoon it still works in september for me you know like i think that's a good uh spot for it to be in and there'll still be a lot of interest in it it's like slightly ahead of when all the major releases for the end of the year come out um so it gives it a little bit of time to breathe and then obviously we've got pokemon coming at the end of the year mm. in november no more breath of wild 2 which Bally, you haven't been on the show uh since mm. breath of wild 2 was delayed so what, yes. what are your thoughts on that um it, i said it before i went on my paternity leave but i think we all we all just play this game every time 3d zelda is coming out where uh-huh. we think it's actually going to come and it always gets delayed multiple times and we keep forgetting that every time a new zelda comes out but yeah i think yeah i think we were fairly confident it was going to get delayed especially with when nintendo say especially on zelda they say we're aiming for this window you know they've not got the confidence that it's going to even come out in that window if they're saying window and not date they've they've said more they've been more precise on the date in the past and still delayed so then if you say oh but actually it's going to be a window then it's like an automatic yeah it will be it will be delayed because you're pretty much confident enough to say a date so yeah it's it's absolutely fine there's always too many games to play so i can wait a very long time to to play the sequel to breath of the wild and yeah um yeah I, i it's it's totally fine in my book the other thing is we don't have the kind of second half of the year solidified because that usually happens around e3 quote-unquote e3 time i think we're gonna get one big thing announced at e3 that comes out this year yeah potentially Um, it could be 3d mario it could Mm. be 
something DK related. It could be something that's just been on the back burner for a little while, but we're mm-hmm. definitely due 3D Mario. Like, that is going to happen probably this year or next year. Like, it, yeah, are, I think so. You're due. Yeah, and um, I think the other thing to keep in mind with what they do there is is there's generally they'll have some partner games as well third party stuff so i wonder if that's when we get an update on mario plus rabbids if that becomes an october game or something along those lines um or what if nintendo have the big reveal and a timed exclusive on the game like silk song for later this year yeah i mean (laughs) let's not make any uh judgments on hollow knight stuff i think that's that's tied up with zelda as well of like i don't know they they announced that and then people were like uh when is this ever coming out we don't know expansion it's a Uh uh-huh actually it's a new game actually it's not coming out this year (laughs) yeah yeah it was on the cover of edge magazine i think at the end of last like 2020 end of 2020 start of 2021 and people were like oh this means it's coming out and we're like a year and a half past that now so yeah it's that that one will take its time cooking um obviously there's stuff like cuphead dlc still to come this year i think that's june as well which is exciting because oh my goodness cuphead's amazing and i want to go back to that at some point um you think nintendo will be um launch date with that as alongside xbox i think yeah for sure i think honestly that will be one of the major platforms that it gets promoted on obviously it's an xbox thing and it's a big deal for them but i feel like a lot of people played it on switch and will it be standalone that's a really good question actually because it feels like how long it's it been be. and built up like yeah. i because i don't own cuphead on switch i don't own pc and i would probably prefer to play this on switch right so I don't necessarily want to buy Cuphead again and then just to buy the DLC on Switch. So if it was standalone, I would appreciate that. That would be nice. Um, I would be happy, but I, I just don't know if that's going to be the probably case. Probably be Game Pass Day 1. I'll probably end up playing it there. I don't know. Yeah, it depends, right? depends how, how things go uh, when, it, when it comes down to it. But yeah, it's it. in any case, it feels like the, the year is, is still looking pretty good, right? Like there's a lot of stuff to be excited about. Um, I, I totally forgot Fire Emblem Three Hopes. Uh, Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes is, I believe, a June game as well. Uh, so they are really packing things in. You know, if we're, we're getting Mario Strikers and Fire Emblem in one month, as well as Live Alive and Xenoblade in another month, like that's two major releases um, per month in terms okay. of exclusive stuff um, this time next year what will be their top selling game from 2022 oh uh other than pokemon because that's, a, that's yeah a no it's good it, it will be pokemon of course <laughs> um man i'm gonna say switch sports i'm gonna say switch I think sports that's a good shout. Yeah, yeah yeah um i think it's wide stream enough uh and everyone remembers we sports they love it uh you know i think kirby is, is going to do pretty well i think splatoon 3 is going to do very well actually like that fan base especially in japan um is, is extremely hungry for that and i think a lot of people who have now bought a switch between you know uh, the the launch year where splatoon 2 came out I, I don't think a lot of those people necessarily own splatoon 2 so i think jumping in with a new game is probably going to be a smart way for people mm. to get on board no, but, um, no faith in advance wars creeping up that that table uh no that's that that will be um it will probably sell better than live alive but even then maybe i think the jrpg crowd on switch is strong so it might not even sell as good as that i hope it comes out in a in a proper window that doesn't get crowded by other stuff later this year Um, definitely we'll see see. for sure um yeah just to give my quick thoughts on the xenoblade 3 trailer because there was a lot in there um very excited about what i've seen so far definitely feels like they're showing a bit more mechanical stuff now so the battle system looks like similar to xenoblade 2 in some ways um you know the ui is just like a vomited mess on the screen um and i i totally get it because 
they have complicated battle systems but they do make sense and they are fun and they and they they're really engaging so i'm sure that they'll uh, be able to explain it and make it work and i'm very very excited for that because i think xenoblade 2 has a excellent combat system uh, and it feels like if they just iterate on that and just like take the best parts of it and kind of smooth it out a bit more you could have my favorite uh, jrpg combat system in xenoblade 3 so um they they also look like they turn into mechs they basically like power of friendship together the the two pairs of characters so you have six fucking characters on the field at once which is crazy that's double the amount of characters i guess technically xenoblade 2 you had six because you would have drivers and blades but you'd only be controlling three entities essentially so this is kind of similar in that you have six characters but then sometimes they'll combine together into what is called an ouroboros which is you know the snake eating its own tail from mythology and stuff like that lots of when you dig into like the xeno um series and all the references it makes to like religion and mythology and stuff stuff uh it's it gets pretty in deep so it's, it's it makes sense that kind of digging into this stuff but those giant kind of um combined mech like bioorganisms uh are, are ouroboros and they uh seem like they're this kind of not the gimmick of the game but like the main kind of different mechanical change right like uh something to make it stand out like the fu- you know in xenoblade one you have the the future sight system where it shows you the future and you use that to help in battles this seems like this is the kind of the main new mechanic that they're introducing to the battle system is these party members combining into one into a big robot who does a lot of damage and stuff like that so yeah excited to to see how that goes and uh, already the world continues to look fantastic and engaging i just want to see how it all connects together because it 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 is and it will and it's all tying things uh, into one night nice bow so um that is uh, very very exciting i am thoroughly looking forward to it and we'll probably have to uh, book some time off in july now instead of september so that i can uh you know no life that game and, and do nothing else so um Bally, did you have any thoughts on splatoon 3 and what we saw from that i don't know if you saw the gameplay that they put up but they no i missed their, that I missed the trailer that. was basically it wasn't really a trailer they basically just showed a full match of splatoon 3 um hmm. And so, yeah, it was just two teams fighting each other for, like, three minutes, essentially. Um, and it showed a few of the new abilities in action. So, like, the hamster ball kind of tank thing they showed. And the paintbrush guy now has, like, this ninja thing where they have, like, really stretchy ninja arms that almost grapple hook around the place. So it feels like there's a lot more just mobility options going on, generally. Verticality, maybe. Um, yeah, for sure. And and just interesting movement and stuff going on. Looks very smooth. Looks, again, looks just very similar to what Splatoon has been and is not a radical change but generally is just um kind of showing off you know some new stuff some new abilities and the the big question mark for me is still the single player with splatoon 3 i we just still don't have any clue f- for what that is the only thing we know is like this kind of context of that cutscene thing with the kind of empty landscape the first kind of tease that we got of the game where it's like this traveler in this kind of like broken land um Mm. and i have no idea what that's going to lead to so i'm sure that they'll show probably some single player stuff at e3 uh, or around e3 time we keep calling it e3 but it's not doesn't exist anymore it's cancelled but you know there's going to be stuff around that period talking about single player splatoon they yes. said they announced that the expansion pack would include is now currently as we speak includes the dlc from splatoon 2 yeah the octo expansion, octo expansion. Uh, which is really cool uh, i want to try out definitely it's i think it's something that we were both like oh i don't know if that's something that we want to check out that's a lot of money and you know I, i'm a bigger fan of splatoon single player than you've been yes, and i yeah. was still a bit like yeah there's other stuff to play just now and i, uh-huh. I want to spend my money elsewhere but for free i'm like or included at least i'm like yeah want to give it a while 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to be a bit careful about it because I don't want to like burn myself out on Splatoon before Splatoon 3 comes out. But I think yes. it's different enough in that it's like single player stuff. And it's uh, the thing I heard about the Octo expansion uh, is that it's just a lot harder than the main single player stuff. And I okay. I got frustrated by a lot of the single player stuff in Splatoon uh, 2. So I don't know. If... Is it still lives based? Is my yeah, fear. that's the question. Yeah, if it is, mm. then I don't know. I might just bounce off it. But it's worth just downloading and checking out regardless, it's right? It's weird. Like Splatoon is such a modern, fresh take on gaming and mm-hmm. multiplayer gaming for nintendo and then for a single player to have such an archaic live system yeah. when games like mario odyssey have got gotten past it it's a real yeah bummer it's real weird but um i hope that's something they fix in in splatoon 3 for sure but uh but yeah that that's available now i guess isn't it you can just yeah. go and go and add it uh so go and download that i guess and check it out that's awesome um and the expansion pack uh living up to its name right uh just yeah. having all these additional things being added uh, i think people were speculating of like okay maybe they'll add the the tourner uh, dlc from xenoblade 2 to this because that's in the build-up to xenoblade 3 potentially uh, if they'll they'll do that maybe that is a bit too soon now because that's coming even sooner than we expected but um what other dlc you know. could they include the three houses dlc yeah there's three houses dlc um, so before the next fire emblem comes out that's definitely a possibility there's also the sword and shield islands dlc that they had um so there's two packs of that i think for sword and shield so it's surprising nintendo has a, a decent amount of dlc for their um their games now and obviously breath of the wild has its one which potentially they they do that before breath of the wild 2 um which would be pretty cool so i don't know if that's going to be the case but uh, they at least have a few more things that they can pack into uh this this expansion thing and this is the first one that is an old thing that they're bringing in because both animal crossing and mario kart were things that released and were day one on the expansion pack whereas this is something that's been out for a while and now they made the decision oh we're gonna just add it on so mm, yeah, yeah i don't know how that'll yeah. go but anyway um interesting stuff uh, looking forward to the rest of the year with all those games coming uh, the other thing we wanted to quickly chat about is that there's been some uh, some credible leaks rumors surrounding uh, game boy and game boy advance games on nintendo switch online which you know if this sounds familiar it's because people have talked about this in the past before i think previous to the n64 being revealed by the nintendo as being their next system they were going to do there was rumors in the air about game boy advance and, and game boy stuff coming so we've kind of known about this in the rumor sphere for a while but this is a bit more solid evidence because some folks have dug into the switch's os and found literal emulators made for the system um and developed by nerd uh, nintendo's uh, european branch i believe they're based in france who work on a lot of their emulation stuff for the switch online and, and do all, all virtual console stuff stuff like that um so yeah i think this is pretty much confirmed at this point and it's going to happen and i i don't know when they'll announce it it seems potentially imminent um uh, maybe even as close as you know the summer when when they do the more of their announcements but uh yeah i don't know how you feel about this battle is this something that you have been long awaiting are you excited for it how do you feel i have been very excited for game boy and game Boy advance games on nintendo switch ex- online expansion pack um but what's awesome about this leaked list is just how in depth and deep it is in comparison to say something like the n64 now n64 already has quite a shallow game pool game base yeah but when you think about things that nintendo have done gba related in the past whether it's virtual console on wii u or the ambassador program on 3ds it's always been quite a shallow dive i think gba on wii u was much better yeah it has some interesting stuff at least some of the like the Mega Man battle network games were there and, and things like that but uh but yeah that what are some of the things that kind of stood out to you from what they were talking about uh stuff like harvest moon friends of mineral town 
Golden Sun. Yeah. Obviously got F-Zero Maximum Velocity, which was on the previous two, but I'm excited about that. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, you've got stuff like Kuru Kuru Kurin, but yeah. that I've, like, I think it's like a launch game, but this looks really bizarre and I want to play it. Mario Golf, I know that was on Wii U as well. Um, yeah, just some really great stuff. Your favorite Mario versus Donkey Kong NBA. Oh, oh yes, the um, best game ever made. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's got Metroid Fusion plus Metroid Zero Mission. That's like a great combo. Yeah, of course. Uh, Pokemon Pinball, Ruby and Sapphire, which is my most played Pokemon Pinball and was my personal favorite. I think that's an incredible game. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the, the classics like Minish Cap, Warrior Land 4, Yoshi's Island, you know, like just great game boy advance games like i think it's just a really impressive list for sure i i think the question is like how do they how do they dole it out right um because i honestly like the last few months or so like since the n64 stuff launched it feels like there's been just a lot more of that stuff happening like every month there's a new n64 game coming out as those, you... that, those three genesis games just came exactly uh, yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah as you mentioned like f-zero and, and mario golf you've been playing and those were month back-to-back months right mm. um banjo kazooie had come out before that which i want to get to and, and play through that as well and yeah the genesis games um being added in threes there was also a new edition of nes and super nintendo stuff recently as well so it i think the thing is with the expansion pack they feel the pressure a bit more because people are paying more because it is more expensive a tier to continue to add to it and make that feel valuable and feel worth it and it almost like gives them a kick up the ass to say no you can't just sit here for like four months and then randomly be like oh here's donkey's adventure on nes everyone remembers that favorite game um and earthworm gym 2 or something right like that's cool but like it's not enough for regular people when they're on the base um kind of subscription service Uh, and i think yeah adding the n64 stuff and adding the genesis stuff has really given them a bit of a a jolt to be like okay we need to be a bit more consistent with this stuff because otherwise people are going to get mad about it and and people were very mad like at the beginning you know remember when that stuff launched people were annoyed about the emulation which is something Mm. they've also been fixing slowly over time like making the water in that uh part of ocarina of time work properly with the shadow link fight uh, all that stuff has been a ongoing process for them, uh, and I think that they're kind of they're kind of getting there with with a lot of it, which is good. I, but, I think um, the other exciting thing is right. This is potentially Game Boy and Game Boy Advance coming. Like, right, what's next after that? Because we've run out of systems now. Now you have to do N sixty. Uh, sorry, GameCube. Like you know, like I feel like we might be getting closer to gamecube and that really excites me or are we going to be in for yet another tier that gamecube (laughs) goes on to or could it come into this the question is is this going to be added to the expansion pack or does this become a another like side tier like a not uh, above the expansion pack but like an additional like plus right expansion pack plus where you can pay another five dollars and get access to game boy and game boy advance games to me sounds real bad that would be incredibly frustrating uh but i can i can see nintendo doing it because they're fucking weird right um i how do you think this is going to go down do you think it's just going to be a part of our existing subscription or we're going to have to pay more i personally think there will be existing subscription i also think that as the recent playstation announcement has gone down I just think two tiers is better than three. I think three yeah. tiers is like, come on. Like, this is just... like it, it, I think there's there's some sort of, like, maths or science behind the idea of having three tiers. That it is quite a good way of squeezing more money out of someone who is going to get the middle tier in any case or something. There's something to mm-hmm. do with that I read online. But 
I think Nintendo is much more two-tier focus. I'd be really shocked. And the expansion pack's not even been around that long. Like, I'd be really shocked if they went for yet another tier. I think what's more likely is that the expansion pack might go up in price slightly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I'd personally prefer than just having a third tier. I don't know. Is this the time, Bally? Do we get Mother 3 on the uh, GBA uh, expansion pack, whatever it's going to be, uh, Switch Online? Will it happen? Uh, do you believe? Um, well, it's not in this supposed leak, which, yeah. given the depth of a lot of the games here in terms of how deep they're going into like the GBA history, is maybe kind of surprising. So I'm going to say we're not going to get it, to be honest. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think it's... It's one of those things that is just like the eternal question that I don't think is ever actually going to happen. Um, there's a lot of issues with Mother 3. Uh, it's It's got some problems with it, but I, I do think that if they were to approach it again, it would probably have to be from a full like remake yeah. perspective, you know, just like editing some of it and making it work. Um, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard game to kind of to put out still, uh, and I, I don't know what will ever happen with maybe, it. But yeah. Maybe Reggie will reveal it in his book. Oh, yeah, no, of course, yes. He'll talk yeah. the tell-all story of what happened with Mother 3 uh, from Reggie. Yeah, looking forward to that. Um, uh, yeah, on, on the Game Boy side of things, I'm excited to see some weirder stuff like Legend of the River King or um, mm. uh, the Frog for Whom the Bell Tolls, like those types of like more niche GB Game Boy original games that we didn't really see or hear much of, um, and um, and potentially like having some Japanese-only stuff that gets translated or even just put on... Uh, the service just as it is because there are a couple of examples of those i think on the super nintendo and nes where they are just japanese games where they just put them on there for people to play uh which is really nice and and i i appreciate that like stuff like tomato adventure for gba would be great to have on the alpha dreams first game and um i i would love to see a official translation for stuff like that but it, that might just be a bit too much for nintendo to go through and and do all that stuff um but you know if you want to you know if you are a paying switch uh, online subscriber you can actually just go to a japanese uh store uh with i think a different profile and just download their version of the switch online app and you can get access to that stuff if you want to so if they do put mother 3 on the japanese one which i believe mother 3 was on the wii u virtual console in japan um on gba um, i'm not 100 certain on that but i think that was the case uh yeah you, you might be able to access it there so there's always options and opportunities to do that stuff but um yeah i'm looking forward to it when it does come um but you know with with everything that's been coming out recently it's just always hard to find time for all these video games this is one thing that i always find interesting is people clamoring for virtual console support and all this stuff and yet most people don't i think regularly play that stuff so um yeah it's always an interesting balance and i think that's why nintendo have have always been a bit weird about it because they never know like do people really want this or are they just screaming on the internet about it you know uh who will actually sit down and play all this stuff so mm. us uh, <laughs> us us yeah that's true we, we will do that um cool well i think that is going to close us out for the show thanks everybody for sticking with us for listening uh and uh bali thanks for coming back on this uh oh, this podcast been it's been good <laughs> uh, um, yeah I, I can feel myself limbering up for a bit of nintendo switch sports i must say um yes. have you been allocating and finding your plastic peripherals to to get out the old tennis rackets and things oh yeah of course yeah no digging into the closets to find though they're very important like uh they're absolutely crucial the crucial. critical component to playing play sports was the 
plastic tat that you attached that literally did nothing <laughs> but just looked like an extended golf club. Um, wasn't you know, even the full size golf club. Wasn't even, it was a mini, it was like a mini putt. I would have to go on my knees to use it basically. Yeah. So that was great. Um, so yes, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to that game. I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, it's going to be fun and we can play some online against each other and uh, maybe do some stuff with community as well. It'll be great. Um, but yeah, that's that's upcoming and you know, and then the releases will, will keep rolling in. Uh, looking forward to Xenoblade 3. Very excited for that. Um, however, before we go, we should uh, plug some things talk about some stuff um bali uh we want to give another plug to spotify if you are someone who listens on spotify on your phone then head on over to the mobile uh, app and just uh, give us a little rating on there uh, very quick very easy i think much easier than doing it on apple because apple system is a bit of a mess and people have to log in and all that stuff and spotify is the future that's why we need you yeah exactly so um you know if you and also if you don't listen on spotify it'd be really nice if you you know just go on your spotify account on there and just find the podcast uh i think you just have to play an episode and listen for a little bit and then it will let you rate it uh, and and that would be great that'd be really really appreciated so um yeah uh, just a little plug there for that uh but we also have some people to plug and thank at the end of the show as always our patrons for supporting us at patreon.com slash this nintendo life where people can go and get bonus episodes including um a recent patreon bonus uh nintendo one where you and i talked about some big open world games we've been playing really horizon and elden ring um yeah. so yeah go check that out it's a dollar on patreon uh, and we also would like to thank some of our supporters over there bally yes thank you to our ten dollar tier patrons they are zach s atari alex thomas matthew and albert um as you might have noticed and then we did mention last time mm-hmm. caroline has withdrawn her support uh we, we have we, you know Kids are expensive, so hey man. <laughs> she's had to withdraw her support on Patreon, uh, at least for the time being. So um, those are our supporters, minus Caroline. But she's still she's still with us in spirit. Of course, as always. Um, fantastic. Well, uh, you can also find us across the internet space of time, uh, where you go to twitter.com, and you can, if you want to, it's a decision people make. Some people still use Twitter, I do, because I'm shackled to it, and I live on the internet eternally. Um, you can find us at TNL Podcast on the Twitter, where we post updates and things, and uh, sometimes polls and, and other random uh, nonsense, and also give you a link to stuff like our Discord and our YouTube channel, uh, where you can join. Uh, yeah, I encourage people to go ahead and join the Discord. It's a great place over there. Lots of people chatting and having fun uh, and talking about various Nintendo things, uh, including all the news that we just talked about. Um, and you can also find us uh, individually on Twitter. Bally, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Ballyman91. That's B-A-L-L-Y-M-A-N-9-1. And stuff. You can find me at LordNBZ on Twitter. Uh, and uh, and yeah, it's a good place to go. Uh, obviously, as we mentioned, you can find us all over the internet, including Spotify. If you want to download us there, listen to us there. That is an option. However, you can just go to any podcasting app uh, and download us as well. Uh, we're on Stitcher. Uh, we're all over the shop. So find us. If you just search for this Nintendo Life, you should find the podcast and you can subscribe to it and then episodes just pop into your feed like magic it's crazy just wake up one morning and bam there it is it's it's nuts um so yeah that would be widely and uh, heavily appreciated and i think i think that's it i think that's pretty much everything uh for for us here today um bali uh you know i wish you luck continuing to attempt to play video games with Thank a child uh, i'm sure we'll oh, get a lot of updates as things go along <laughs> and and how that changes and, and all that that stuff but uh it'll be i'm gonna be playing nintendo switch sports in like the middle of the night so uh-huh. uh, <laughs> my arms yeah. swinging and things yeah exactly <laughs> okay. yeah gotta be aware of your surroundings even yes. more so at this point in time uh so 
uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be an interesting challenge. I've got, I've got my strap ready to go. It's it's all it's going to be on my wrist. It's exactly. Nothing's yes. flying anywhere. Just fingers crossed that what happened with Monkey Ball doesn't happen again. No know? more Monkey Just, Ball. No, no more Monkey Ball. Bally throwing things at windows. Monkey Ball baseball. That's is bad. Uh, it's banned. Yeah, in fact, I don't think there's any baseball in Switch Sports, is there? In uh, the I new think one. golf and. I think they said golf is coming later, right? There's um, one other one coming later. I don't know if it was baseball or something else, but definitely yeah. golf. There's volleyball that's definitely in there, I think, which is going to be fun and interesting and a different thing to try out. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the new sports, the old sports, all the sports. So uh, get ready out there, get your leg straps on, and uh, yeah, uh, look forward to that because I'm sure we'll be talking about it next time. Uh, but until then, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll see you very soon. Bye-bye, folks. interludes used on today's show were Scars of Time from Chrono Cross, copyright Square Enix 1999, and the main theme from F-Zero X, copyright Nintendo 1998.